0: everybody Welcome to episode 35 of the Mountain Bike podcast. I'm your host Jonathan Lee, with my co-host Stephen Lewis. Hi. And a special guest with us today. Mr. Dustin Cardoza. How you doing, man? Top of the morning to you. (laughs) I bet a lot of people are wondering who you are. Probably. (laughs) So (laughs) he's just a guy, (laughs) we found him on the street, picked him up. We're like, Hey, do you want to be on our podcast? (laughs) Uh, Dustin's a local rider here
1: from the Reno area. How long you've been riding for Dustin? Um, I've been riding. I was just, just figured that out this year. Actually sounds weird, but, uh, about 21 years. Wow. There we are, man. Long time.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Dustin's a fast rider. I've ridden with, I've only ridden with you once. Um, it was a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. Brian Kennedy, you and I, the BKXC guy. If you're wondering, go into youtube.com slash BKXC. You can see his stuff there. Uh, we went and rode, uh, geez, we did two trails in one day. Yep. Awesome. And I'm doing Mills. both of those
1: again on
0: Sunday. Nice. Yeah. Good choice. Same same ride. Nice. Yeah. Quincy in the morning. Uh so and we or I shouldn't say Quincy, uh it's Mills Peak in the morning in yep. Grey Eagle. Grey
1: Eagle. Yep. Yeah. And then after that we went over to Quincy to go ride Mount Hoff. Yep. Yep. I'm doing the same shuttle with uh, a friend from Carson and a friend from Gardnerville, uh, this coming Sunday.
0: Nice. Now, a lot of people are thinking, who cares? I live in the UK or I live wherever else. Uh, if you've heard of Grinduro, that's a big event that a lot of people have heard of, it actually involves Mount Huff, that descent. Uh, it's a ton of fun. And if you're ever in the Tahoe region, you're probably thinking, I want to ride Tahoe, I want to ride Downeyville, but add the lakes basin region and Quincy to that list.
1: It's definitely worth it. And it's, it's so close to Downeyville, right? Yeah. Like Downeyville, like everybody knows about, Yep. but if you just get over on the East side of Packer saddle, you can get into some fantastic riding and some really technical riding. So it's yep. not necessarily for everybody, but there's some fantastic technical riding in there. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's in fact, we we talked about this last week, but they're looking at adding in some new trail in that region. Uh, so they're collecting signatures and emails and everything else yep. for that
1: so uh, you can look up Sierra Buttes trail stewardship on Facebook and find yep at uh, sierratrails.org is their website mm-hmm. um, and and in fact on on that note uh, for the Mills Peak Trail in mm-hmm. particular they are officially under construction now on that middle fire road segment nice so that is should be probably by next month be all single track oh 100%. that would be awesome yeah. so no more fire road no more fire road Yep. That but that good. was really
2: fun <laughs> in, in a really weird way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Stephen Strange, if you found that <laughs> fun. I mean, heck, I mean, it's probably exciting for people that aren't roadies or whatever else, but.
2: Well, 40 plus miles an hour with all of the six inch cobble everywhere. It was very fun. I was just or interesting, waiting one for two. one
0: of them to kick up into my down tube, you know, yep. that's yep. what I was terrified on. Yep. So, uh, but Dustin's joining us today, uh, because, uh, well, actually we talked about Loosely, like having you on the podcast at some point, how it'd be fun mm-hmm. during the ride. And then, um, you came up with a solid idea for the business that we'll dig into later. Yeah. So uh, you've got some experience in it, so we'll get into that. But first Steven, very little news, but let's jump on. Let's jump into it. Word.
3: News team, assemble!
0: All right. Uh, first bit of news is something that actually isn't that expensive well relatively speaking yeah uh i forgot to throw this actually into the news for the last episode of the podcast but fox released a new fork
2: yeah their new rhythm 34
0: uh tell me about it man
2: so it's it's basically you know Rockshock kind of had the market in with the yari in their like entry-level trail forks mm-hmm. and so this you know, giving, getting rid of the Fit4 assembly in the damper and going to the grip damper with the internal floating piston allowed them to run this fork a lot cheaper. You know, I guess we can say cheaper or, you know, mm-hmm. more of a bargain. Right. Um, entry level for trail forks. So this is actually a really cool setup. Um You know, for all of your entry-level trail people.
0: It looks like it's, I mean, right now they say it's OEM only. Yeah. Uh, I could see that changing in the future, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe Fox wants to keep positioning itself as like a premium over RockShox, and maybe it doesn't do that. Maybe it just specs these OEM. I don't know. But um, can you, so grip damper, is that worse than like Fit4?
2: It's just different. Okay, it's older technology. You sound
0: like you're trying to be like nice to a to a person like when they're like, "Am I ugly?" And you're like, "No, you're just different." No,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no you have a beautiful face. <laughs> um, no, it's honestly it, it, the grip damper is just a different way of damping the system, okay. and it actually is not worse or better. It's just different. It really is just different. Okay, um, so it is older technology. What but will it do differently?
0: Have... Like in terms of like. How would I f- or what would I feel differently on the trail if I were to ride this versus riding like the Fit 4? Or would I lose any type of compression adjustment or would I lose any type of anything else?
2: Well, you're going to you're going to lose adjustment, you know, adjustability on this uh, fork, but the grip damper has a progressive lockout on it versus okay. the three position. I believe the grip damper should just be like 8 clicks of adjustment in compression.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that similar uh, to like Pike RC, yes. the way that okay. yes, absolutely.
0: Like the more you turn it, it just it doesn't have. E- In fact, some of them don't even have like notched positions. I don't. You just spin that guy, and as it as you spin it more clockwise, yeah. it ends up locking out more or firming things up more. Yeah, I should say that's probably a better <clears> way <throat> to say it. Yeah. Uh, it's got gray stanchions,
2: which yeah, I think they're just doing that to be different. You know, that anodizing is anodizing for the most part until you get into like your DLC coatings and your Kashima coating. So I just think it's just a different color of
0: any updates on the Kashima front. Is it going away yet?
2: Uh, I haven't seen it going away yet, but the cool thing that, well, I guess, uh, cool if you don't like Kashima like me, um, the Performance Elite series from yeah. Fox is finally available as aftermarket, whereas originally it was just OEM spec. Right. So that DLC coding um, is actually a tougher surface mm-hmm, and than, Kashima. Th- than Kashima. And in my opinion, since, like I've said before, since Fox went to their gold 20 weight oil, mm-hmm. the DLC coatings are actually working just as good in 99% of the applications as Kashima coating, but then right. it's also tougher so, and it looks better.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And so, and I know probably some people are very upset and thinking that their Kashima looks very good and it, and it can, I guess, in, in some extent, but basically I think that like Chad's bike, uh, our head coach here at trainer road, we're in trainer road studios, by the way, uh, thank you trainer road. But, uh, Our head coach, Chad Timmerman, he has that Canyon hardtail. Yeah. And as you've dubbed it, the Persian nightclub bike. Yeah, (laughs) it
3: kind of is. Sorry, Chad.
0: Because it's just everything is black or gold. Yeah. And it's got gold eagle on there. It's got everything else and and gold stanchions on the fork.
2: And the gold chain.
0: And it works well in that case. Uh, But I, I will say that like, I definitely prefer the aesthetic of the black one. But the big thing that people have to understand is... Compared to DLC, it's it's really not. I I would say a a difference that you will feel on the trail in terms of ability to dissipate heat or reduce
1: friction. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So on this rhythm, Mm -hmm. just just looking at at the rhythm. Uh, so these gray stanchions are those basically a gray DLC? Then
2: it's it's. I don't think or it's gray DLC. I think it's just a hard anodizing. Okay. Yeah. DLC is a is a is a specific patented brand and you know okay. Diamond like carbon. Yeah. Diamond like coating. Coating. Forgive me. Yes. yes. And so it, DLC is a very very hard surface anodizing. This is probably just like your standard industrial. Okay. Anodizing. Like maybe something you would find like on. A rock shock Sector. Or something exactly. Like okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. And you can do any color you want. I mean, you can make stanchions blue if you wanted to. You can make them red. I'm
1: surprised they're not doing that Next yet. level.
2: Somebody's got to be doing that. But then again, I guess pulling the stanchions
0: out of the upper in most cases requires like they're bonded in there really well. Oh yeah. So then you're probably going to damage the stanchion if you're trying to pull that thing out.
2: Oh yeah. No, if you were going to if you were going to anodize, just just pro tip for everybody, if you were going to anodize, you're going to take your whole uh, crown steer and you know upper stanchion assembly and you're going to anodize the whole thing mm. and then you're going to powder coat the upper assembly just make that separately.
0: whole thing gold oh, yeah
3: okay
2: I well that. no then the, then yeah. the crown assembly you would re-powder coat so you'd tape off all of the freshly anodized stuff in your hot fuchsia or whatever color you want to do Jonathan. of course yes yeah. <laughs> well it matches <laughs> how the did turquoise. you know yeah. <laughs> 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 i know jonathan we've been friends for a minute <clears throat>
0: Um, so that's, yeah. So in motocross, um, I used to run DLC coding on like my uh, high end, like the, the nice suspension that that I would have. Mm -hmm. And there were other brands that use it like Kashima. They just don't have Kashima written all over it, but, uh, they use Kashima like a pro circuit suspension for a while was running Kashima coding on their stuff. Um, there's like a really cool looking, it would look a little loud and boisterous on a bike, but they have like a green, blue turquoise kind of like aqua blend. I'd say like Hawaii water, if I were to say, cause it's okay. kind of like, um, it changes color based on the direction of where you're at. They did that for a while on their lowers. In fact, they might still do that. I've never been to Hawaii, so I don't know what their water looks like. <laughs> yeah. You
1: described it pretty accurately. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It looks like a A fork on a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, it
0: kind (laughs) of does, right? So,
1: um,
0: but it's, it's so that there are a bunch of different ways you can coat your fork. Yeah. Um, And I shouldn't say you as in making it seem like you can just take your fork and go get it coated. It's, it's, like Steven said, it would be very involved. But these brands, I'm saying, when they look at the options that they have, there are a bunch of different ones. And if you see... That, you know, Kashima is advantageous over something else, perhaps in a laboratory. Yes. You could see that and sure that could, in the right circumstances, perhaps show benefit or, or some type of improvement on the trail. But in most cases it's just marketing. Yep. So that's, and, and for Fox, it's brilliant marketing because you always know it's a Fox fork. Yeah. Um, the, I'm sure that's why they waited for so long to do a black stanchion fork on their performance series, yeah. because everybody knew that it was a Fox fork when they saw yeah.
2: that. Now it's like, is that a Pike or a Fox? Mm-hmm. You have
1: to they really the do look similar. They do, especially, you know, like the Pike on, on mm-hmm. my bike is so. It, you, the, the Pike logo is like dark, dark gray. It's like yeah. the whole thing almost is completely black. Yeah, you
0: can hardly and, tell. And now, if you've noticed something interesting, Rockshox has their the new logos for on their suspension for twenty eighteen mm-hmm. and, and forward, at least for now, is a gigantically bold Rockshox mark. I don't know if you've seen it, but it basically yeah. takes up the whole entire lower. Really? Yeah, and it's like really broad. Gotcha. Hmm. So uh, I think that that's one of their intentions is to differentiate themselves a bit from that. So, yeah. like the RS one is is very bold and hmm. it's very
2: clear. Although that but one you the can tell. RS1 anyway. actually been really <laughs> subdued, other than its general design. So, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So interesting stuff. <clears throat> Good to see Fox. Uh, way to go. So uh, the next bit of news going on right now, well, actually going on, and I think about. Three hours it starts, or maybe two hours. Red Bull Rampage, yeah, is going on.
2: Spent five days uh, building trails, and now they're going to go shred them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, are you? Are you? Uh, what's your feeling on Rampage?
1: Uh, those guys are insane. Yeah, uh, I, you know it's it's crazy fun to watch, but it's one of those things where you, you're like. You, you watch and you almost like want to cringe. You're like, oh, please don't yes. crash on this. I just, <laughs> I can't watch you just pile up at the bottom of this. Yeah. And it's scary. I, I did just read, you know, our local boy, Cam Zink. Yeah. This is his 10th Red Bull Rampage. Yeah. This is a guy that's like married, got two kids. He's running running a business. You know, he's, he's running yeah. YT uh, over here in the and States. Census. And census. And yeah, census grips. He's doing a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, just when I look at it from the the father family man perspective, I'm like, man, this guy's nuts, yeah. but he's that, I mean, he's that good too, and confident to yeah. go out and do this. So, I mean, good for him yeah. and, and kudos to these guys for, uh, for going out and doing stuff that, you know, so few people will do. I think it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. It's, um, I feel the same. I think we both, all of us feel the same. Like it's amazing, but at the same time, when we see it, we're, like holding our breath a bit until the guys get to the bottom of the run. It's, it's pretty scary stuff. And I, I, I'm sure that cam it, it like
1: wrestles with that. I bet. You know what I mean? I like, think he's, you he would have to. to, the thing is, you know, we could go out, we go out, we ride gnarly trails. I was just in Moab, you know, I was riding portal and, and crazy trails that, yeah, you could get hurt. Yeah. Probably. But the, the risk for the stuff they're doing, like if you pile it up off of a 70 foot, drop or whatever gap jump or whatever it is they're doing it's death like that could be just not just career limiting that could be life limiting yeah like like you can't walk afterward or something like that that's exactly what's happened
0: to my friend paul right i mean two years ago at rampage he had a crash that it was fast but to a lot of people looked fairly benign like he basically came down went a little deep into this really long downhill landing got compressed at the bottom, and then it just tossed him just lightly off of like a, it was like a 10 foot drop, but it tossed him off of that and he landed, but the the angle at which he landed, it ended up, you know, actually breaking his back, giving him a spinal cord injury and he's paralyzed. Um, it's something that I noticed that they, and and I mean, they, they didn't, they had him on the Red Bull broadcast yesterday, like the preview thing. And. (laughs)
2: They didn't even talk about it, yeah. um, which I thought was kind of crazy. But Well, they also, there's reasons why they're not talking about yeah. that right now because of the production that Red Bull's doing about his story. I'm going to bleep that out. But yes, yeah. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're not even allowed to talk about it. No, them. no. There's a thing happening. So I mean, yes. There's... Yeah, yeah, there's, okay.
0: there's a thing happening. <laughs> so they're working on that thing. And I'm sure that's why they haven't mentioned anything about that thing. But Good bleep. Yeah. <laughs> but um, hopefully, like, I guess at the point. Uh, with this is it's I think that it's um actually I'm, I'm going to debate something here. Do we need it? Is it really do we need to push the sport in that direction that
2: far? I don't know. I think I, we've because, debated this last year actually.
0: Yeah, because it's like it's good to see and it's incredibly inspiring to me and those guys are some of the best. I don't care if uh, dirt bike or mountain bike, they're some of the best two-wheeled like cycle handling you know, people in the world. It's amazing to see what they can
1: do. It is. It's, it's fantastic to watch in no way. Does it make me as a guy that likes to go mountain biking, want to go out and even attempt doing like 10 foot drops on my trail bike. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I don't want to go do that Yeah, because yeah. I got to go to work on, you know, in the morning and right. and what have you. But, uh, you know, as long as there's these guys that are, are talented enough to do it and want to go out and do it. Hey, if they want to do it, it's fun for the rest of the world to watch. Uh Yeah. I say, you know, have that. Let it happen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess, I mean, the riders do know the risks that they're taking. They do. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty rough, man. So, um I'll be I'll probably be watching uh, hopefully the highlights and no low lights from that one. So, uh, with that, let's get right into the questions. We're going to do it by the way, before we get in, we're going to do as many as we can. We have a bunch of questions that we still have to get through. So, we're going to do like a special questions episode coming up this week where we're just going to answer a bunch of your questions. So,
2: That's also part of catching up because we've been Slacking mostly dead. Total slackers. Yeah,
0: mostly dead. All right. Let's get into the questions question.
2: It's a ridiculous question. False. That's debatable.
0: All right. First one is from Peter. He says, Hey, I really like the podcast. Keep it going. I have a question about putting a longer suspension fork on an XC full suspension bike, is it okay? And how does it affect the riding? If you put a 120 millimeter fork on a 100 millimeter full suspension XC bike to make it more comfortable. And ready for a little more all around mountain job greetings from belgium peter uh we we actually we've gotten a few questions along these lines so hopefully this can answer uh, answer for a lot of people
2: it's not a bad thing i mean mm-hmm. that's why the asr from yeti they give you the geometry of it with a 100 fork and 120 millimeter fork uh cannondale has their scalpel and their scalpel se hundred mil and 120 mil version. They, a lot of brands are doing this now and they give you the geometry. If you run a 120 fork, this is what your head tube angle is gonna be. This is what, you know, your reach is gonna be. So that's totally fine. It's absolutely acceptable. So so it will lengthen your wheelbase. It will change
0: your effective head tube angle. Yes. Uh, It will. Raise your bottom bracket slightly. It will. And it will make your bike handle differently. Mm. Don't just think that it's gonna give you more squish. There's more to it than that. Uh, there's also that a uh, plenty of specialized employees now have the new Epic and it's built up with 120 millimeter. So
2: as is any good ASR build. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, the, the interesting thing about that is that that bike doesn't even come spec that way, but a lot of the employees are specking it like that because I think that there's uh, having a, a, a bike that's like a reverse mullet a bit, uh, in terms of the, for, for XC is good. So a little more party so it's in like front, front mullet, front mullet, yeah, a little more business okay. in the back, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. right, yeah, okay. a little leggier up front. Um, the only thing is, certain bikes, it's not going to be a great. It's going to affect the geometry in such a way that, you, like, if you already have a high BB, yeah, it's going to make it higher, and it might really make things wonky.
1: So on on this topic, one thing I want to ask you guys, uh, maybe maybe Stephen has more experience with this, being in a bike shop a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, back up five to seven, eight years ago, mm-hmm. the talk of putting a fork that wasn't the one that was, you know, meant to come on your bike,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it, like trying to put, put on a longer travel fork. I feel like the in, in general, that was really frowned upon, like, no way, you're going to void your warranty. Like, don't do it. Like that, I feel like that used to be kind of the message. Yeah. I feel like that's really changed now. And I don't know if it's just, I've noticed that it's changed or if bike companies are actually going, yeah, you know what? It really doesn't matter if we change it 20 20, mil. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts? Well, I think that they've just developed such advances in geometry design of bikes
2: Mm -hmm. that have enabled it to, you know, for a bike to be like, oh, we can make it a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more, you know, uh, weight towards the front and a little bit better climbing prowess by putting a hundred mil fork. But if you want a little bit more party, you can mm-hmm. also put a 120 fork. So I think it has to do a lot with the the actual frame design. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think a little bit of it might be the mountain biking side of things getting further and further away from their pretentious roadie, right. you know, like, <laughs> oh, you put a different fork that has a different trail
1: or a different rake on that. Like, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> how dare <laughs> they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I would say one other thing maybe for Peter here in just in this regard is I, so my now backup bike, but was my my go to bike for years, was a ASR uh, five mm-hmm. carbon, yeah. great bike. Can go one twenty or one forty. Yes, uh, and on twenty six inch I... wheels, on twenty six inch, yeah. yeah. And when I got that bike, uh, it came with a one twenty, mm-hmm. and I was pedal striking a very low bottom bracket, but yes. I was pedal striking like crazy, mm-hmm. and I wanted a little more aggressive up front, so I switched to a one forty, and the pedal striking alone. Mm-hmm reduced 95%. Nice. Like, I mean, you, you start learning how to not pedal strike once you get used to a bike, Yeah. but that was a big difference. Yeah. So I would say that could be another advantage. I don't know how, how, you know, how rocky the train is where Peter's riding or what bike he's riding
2: or, you know, there's a yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot of variables in that, but yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, when
0: you do it. I would just highly recommend not getting a fork with the brain. That's all. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't get a you, specialized fork. Good call. No. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, okay. Getting into the next one from goat Shredderick. His mother gave him that name. I'm sure. She really liked him a lot. <laughs> <Yes>. Clearly. <laughs> hey guys, love the podcast. It's awesome to discover a podcast that delivers quality mountain bike content with enthusiasm, humor, and knowledge. I'll be shooting that five-star review over on iTunes. As soon as I finish here. Nice. You better. You. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so he says, sorry for the long one in question. Uh, my shop, this one, this is an interesting one. It'll be, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see where you place fault. Steven. Okay. Mm. So he says my shop, my bike manufacturer and myself are in a bit of a disagreement over a recent warranty of a frame three weeks before the frame was warrantied for a crack. I had pivot bolts and bearings replaced by the shop. The day I got back from the, sh- got the bike back from the shop, I noticed paint distortion. I assume he means like cracking or something. The paint was disturbed okay. at the weld under the top tube at the seat tube. I pointed this out to the shop who removed the paint, but could not see a crack at that time and recommended I still ride it while keeping an eye on it. Three weeks later, the crack in the aluminum became visible and they had the m- manufacturer warranty the frame. The manufacturer had replaced the frame complete, but also needed the old frame back complete, including the new bearings and pivot bolts I had just installed. Can I stop there really quick? Isn't that a little weird for the frame to need the bearings back? Well, so so for, and and I'll just share my experience really quick. I've, um... I've sent back a crash replacement frame to Yeti. Yeah. And they said, take everything out. Yeah. Like Switch Infinity, take it out. Like seals, take it out. Cable, like the, even the little rubber grommets that go into the cable guide slots. Yeah. Take those out. Take everything out. Just send us the carbon, like in this case, that made up the frame, or in his case, the aluminum.
2: Okay. Is that normal? No. I've actually never seen. No, even with like Cannondale in my experience, Yeti, I've never actually had to send even a crash replacement one back. Yeah, They usually say, hey, and keep it for 90 days. And if we decide we want it back, we'll send you a label.
0: And that's what they ended up doing with this one too. Yeah. We got it all set. Then they're like, uh, just keep it. And then let us, and then yeah. they, they sh- I, let me clarify. They said, destroy it, make it so it's not
2: rideable. Yes. And then, yeah. Now, the one thing that we don't know is what the bike shop told the manufacturer mm-hmm. about because the situation. They
0: might've said, oh, we pressed the bearings in, and something messed up, you know. So maybe the yeah. f- manufacturer wanted to see how they were pressed in. Okay,
2: yeah. maybe,
0: maybe theories. Yeah. theories. All these are theories. So, uh, getting back into it, he says uh, these parts cost me just over two hundred dollars, and the labor being another one hundred. Uh, I asked for new bearings and the and bolts installed on the original frame. Originally, I was told no, but after bugging the manufacturer, they agreed to pull the bolts from the cracked frame. They are sent and are sending those back with a sorry. We can't do anything about the bearings. They warrantied the frame, which is awesome, and I'm grateful for it. And, but I feel a bit put off that I recently put $300 plus dollars into the cracked frame and that it became a chore to get the pivot bolts back and nothing on the bearings. Basically what I was asking for was the parts back or credit on the parts, not the labor, this has caused some tension between the shop employees and myself. Should I get over it? Because this is industry norm. Thanks for your insight. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Looking forward to your thoughts on the situation.
2: So frame manufacturers, typically in all of my experience, do not send a replacement frame out without the pivot bearings in them. Gotcha. So when they sent him the warranty frame, he got bearings, new bearings, okay. and new axles, new bolts, all of that. Okay. So that is all there. He might not have gotten a new rear shock, but all of that they don't just send out the frame and be like, "Here, you have to install, you know, bearings in it now." Okay. And we're not going to send you your old ones back so you have to buy new ones. That's not how it works. Interesting. So so he got all new stuff, but he didn't get the new stuff that he had already purchased. That's where I think
1: the problem lies and what he's upset about. I would, all right. I would, I would say on this, I would put some of the onus on the shop on one condition. Yeah. yeah. Did he buy the bike from that shop? And if he did, then I would say shame on the shop for not like taking care of him. Yeah. Like that's just a good customer service thing. In my opinion, being a customer, if he did not buy the bike from that shop and he just randomly brought his bike in to do the labor. That's on him. Yeah. Yeah, That's my take anyway.
2: No, that's absolutely true. And, you know, the thing is he paid for the labor for all the pivot bolts and everything to be replaced. And something went wrong there. Yeah. And obviously, you know, one was pressed Mm -hmm. in crooked or they, you know, might have pressed too hard and actually taken the bearing tab and like broke it Mm -hmm. on a, you know, microscopic level. And that crack just grew. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Yeah. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. but looking back on it, I would say, yeah, they should probably somehow take care of you, you know, Agreed. with, with labor or, you know, with free accessories. But you know what those bearings, once you press a bearing in and you try to pop it back out, it's not good anyway. Yeah. You don't so, want it anyway. Yeah. You don't but, want those old bearings anyway.
0: If you, if you got a frame, like Steven said, you, when you get a frame, it comes with these things pressed in. But if you got a frame without bearings, without everything else, then I would understand being upset. Yes. Because now you have to purchase them again. Yeah, exactly. I would be, I would understand that. And of course, you know, since the shop pressed them in incorrectly, most likely what happened. Yeah. I would be upset. But if you got the bearings, you got the new frame with bearings in there, I got to say, uh, it's probably something you should, you should let go in this case. Yeah. That would be my two cents. So... Um, but hopefully the new frame doesn't have that same problem. I would keep your eye on that spot because that, um, if it wasn't shop air, then that's something that's weird with the frame perhaps. Yeah. So. Uh, this is going to be the last one we'll cover today. Cause we've got to get into the, to the business. Uh, it's from Jason. He says, hi, Stephen and Jonathan, how crazy and or stupid would it be for a new mountain biker to take on a race like the Brack Epic? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my plan is to go through nine months of training that includes a skills course such as Ryan Leach's and continue to build my fitness on my road and mountain bikes. I'm you third- should
2: use Trainer road. Yeah, for that, yeah probably. I agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get into this. He says I'm 39 years old, three point at about three point four watts per kilogram. That's his power to weight ratio, people. Uh living in low elevation at about four hundred feet with a solid year of training on trainer road with my road bike, where I observed both significant weight loss, fifty pounds, and fitness gains. This year, I don't have to worry about the weight loss, so I hope my fitness improves significantly. Just getting the finishers buckle would be a win for me. I worry about how my body will adapt to the elevation though, because I've never ro- ridden at that high of elevation before. I currently ride a specialized pitch and would need an upgrade. I have my eye on the Rocky mountain element carbon 50 and given all this work needed, would it just be better to postpone this craziness until next year when I have a foundation and better skills and bike?
1: Uh, what do you, what do you think? Dustin? I think, well, one. Uh, that elevation, like, is going to punch him in the teeth. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, we we live at forty five hundred roughly, yeah. and even if you get up, you know, on some of the upper passes of the Tahoe Rim Trail, yeah. where you're at like nine thousand feet, that's where the I can low feel is. it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like the low part. Eight. Yeah. Starts at eight. I can day. certainly feel that, like, substantially. Yeah. Uh, so I have a feeling if he doesn't have a place to train at higher elevation on a fairly regular basis, Mm -hmm. I would not discount how much that's actually going to affect him. It's going to hurt.
0: There's so much conflicting research on elevation and how to deal with elevation. We do know that it affects you. I mean, there's less pressure, therefore less readily available oxygen uh, per breath that you bring in basically. So thusly you have less oxygen to deal with. Your blood is basically just watered down, so to speak. It doesn't have as much oxygen content. So that means that you end up having to, uh, your, your cardiovascular system has to work harder to be able to pump the blood, to get oxygen into your muscles. So then you can actually, the mitochondria within your muscles can, can work the little engines, right? Now we know that about elevation. There's no, no, there's no, uh, no fuzziness there. Mm -hmm. Now, when we do get into the fuzziness, it's about why elevation affects certain people differently and what that is, what's actually happening when a person is adversely affected from elevation, because in, in theoretically, in many respects, it's going to affect everybody the same. We're talking in the, in the, in, in the sheer fact that there will be less pressure and you're all breathing from that same level, right? Mm -hmm. However, certain people, whether it be aerobic efficiency, uh, whether it be, and this is where I actually lean more toward, whether it be some type of psychological conditioning that they have, they're able to manage it more effectively. Mm-hmm. Now, altitude sickness is a thing. That's something else. Um, And, and, and that's, you know, if you get altitude sickness, that's just your, your, your time up at high elevation for the next bit of time is, is done. Mm -hmm. So that means you have to get down and usually elevation sickness, it's, you know extremely strong headaches, vomiting, everything else that you get. It's pretty rare to see people get elevation sickness from something like, you know, below 7,000 feet. But when you get up into 8,000, 9,000, a little more common, but 10,000 and plus it's much more common to see. But the, the big thing, and I, I, I am a believer in this and this, there is no science here. So disclaimer, no science. But I believe that a lot of what happens with people when they go to high elevation As number one, everyone's thinking about it. They're Mm -hmm. scared about it. It gets inside their head and you feel that shortness of breath. You feel the accelerated heart rate. And as a result, you allow that to put yourself in a bit of a nervous mess. I've seen this happen with a bunch of people. They feel that shortness of breath and they panic. And then they can't come back down from that. They can't Mm -hmm. collect themselves
1: and calm down. And I think that's compounded when you're racing as well, because especially if you're not used to racing, I know the first time I did a race, I think. I did the Downeyville classic was the first time I'd ever done a bike race, which was, which was nutty. <laughs> good one to start with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Uh, but the point being all the stuff you just mentioned, right. And, and the, kind of the anxiety you can get from that is going to be amplified totally. by being in a race situation also. So I would, yeah, that's, that's really yeah, good advice.
0: It's So I think that for example, myself, I've never been affected uh, comparatively adversely to, from elevation, we just climbed, um, Mount Akea, uh, and on Hawaii, that was 13,600 feet. And toward the top of that, we had one guy with us and he was like, we, we, he, So the, the top bit of that, I know we're getting into roadie stuff, forgive me, but there was some dirt. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah. Five miles of it is, I don't know if I can call it dirt. It's just like volcanic, like ashy rock. There's Mm no organic matter really to it. You know, it's just kind of, it doesn't pack together. Like it was wet, but Mm -hmm. it still wasn't even like, it was just like, you know, wet beach sand, but not like wet from the waves, like from the rain. right? Right. So it was still really hard to go through that was a soul sucking section. And then after that, it just continues at 20%
2: till the top. Like it just never, it's really steep. You notice the first 50 miles of that, the road portion wasn't soul sucking to Jonathan. (laughs) No. Who is this person? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Right. But it was the, at that point where it turns to dirt, The, the guy that uh, he was a train road user actually, his name was Jake. He was awesome. Um, he didn't have low gearing and he had skinny, like 25 or 23s. So he just had the bike that he did and he was going to do the best he could. Once he got to that section, he was already so tired and worked. He was like, you know what? I'm going to leave my bike with the follow car. And I'm, and he's a triathlete. He's like, I'm just going to try to run this, mm. which he said, he basically just walked. <laughs> he's like, running was really hard. Yeah. Cause it starts at that point, you're at 9,000 feet and climbing upward all the way up to, you know, for the next 4,000 roughly or 5,000 almost feet. Yeah. So, um, but we got, we found him, I, I summited and we were coming back down in the car and we found him and he was walking his way up and he was like going sideways all over the place and he was telling me one of his big concerns going up was the elevation, you know, mm-hmm. and he was in a spot where he was breathing really shallow. It was pretty rough. So I, I could see this, Jason, certainly I could see this being your biggest worry and your biggest concern. And I don't know how to train you against their, their altitude tense and everything else. People are probably going to send an email saying like, there's a mask and I can look like Bane and do CrossFit. I get it, cool. but it doesn't do anything anything to prepare you for high elevation other than the fact that wearing that mask will make you get used to the fact that you can't breathe very well.
2: Yeah. That's it. It just allows you to be comfortable with that.
0: It might, it'll increase your diaphragm strength, but that is going to do nothing for you at elevation. Yes. So the only thing that that will do is increase uh, your time in a position where you feel as if your breathing is less efficient or compromised. Yeah. That could give you a mental, a psychological boost, but it will not give you a physical boost. You can sleep in altitude tents, do everything else like that. That even is proven to not affect a a person's ability to avoid panic or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Those type of situations at high elevation, it may, it's just going to pump your blood full full of more oxygen beforehand. But then once you're working and your blood's filtering through, it's going to lose that really quick. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a thing where I feel like if you spend more time at elevation, you will get more comfortable with it. It's not that your body is necessarily going to change and be more efficient at high elevation, you will just become more comfortable. So you could argue the fact that you living at low elevation in one respect is an advantage because low elevation means more oxygen, which means you're going to be able to train at a higher amount of your capacity. You could build up more than a person that lives at high elevation. And then conversely, if you just have a mind, like a steel trap and you get up there and you know that it's going to suck and you know that you're going to be, your breathing's going to be hard, but you just take it in stride, you'll do all right. Yeah.
1: I, I also believe I, whether this mm-hmm. there, again, uh, no science disclaimer, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mentally like you can push through a lot, even when your body doesn't want to. Yeah, yeah. Like you really can, if if you're the type of person that just says, "Hey, man, I can power through this. Like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna not gonna quit." Yeah. And if Jason's that type of guy, I would just Jason maybe maybe don't go for an epic if it's your first race. If it's yeah. legitimately your first race, that's I don't know. Rec you
2: know. epic is a tough one, and I'm, that's that's the thing is the elevation is one thing. But then also it's a pretty technical ride.
0: Well the yeah, the trails aren't oh, I should say the trails are pretty non-technical at Breck Epic. It's, oh. it's known more or less for being a, a less technical race. It's all single track. So there is technicality just to that because single track is inherently much, I mean Leadville's a road race compared to this thing, right? Like this is like a, a true mountain bike race. Yeah. But it's not like single track six like we talked about last week. Where, or last episode, where that one is like a, a full-on like EWS descents the yeah. whole time. Okay, You're not going to have any of that, but you will have single track yeah. pretty much the whole time. The, the, the hard part, I mean, you'll find pictures of last year, Howard Grotz, Todd Wells, and Jeff Kabush walking their bikes. And they're not walking it because the terrain was super gnarly. They're walking it because, you know, they're at 12,000 feet for the fourth time that day. And it's just steep and it's loose. And it's just, you know, they can't, they can't make their way through. Those guys
1: are such wimps.
0: (laughs) Well, since Todd retired, yeah. Quitter. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I mean, those guys, the best in, the best in, let's just say the best in, in the Americas, I should say. They're dealing with that type of stuff. So don't expect it to be easy. And I don't assume that you are Jason. I assume that you're an informed and logical person on that, but I honestly think that you you could be just as prepared this year as you will next year, next year, you'll just be a little faster. Uh, if you want to give it a shot that said, if you want to ease into things, I do think it would be a little more wise because there's so much to racing. Uh, like Dustin mentioned, when you're in a race environment, you can really, uh, push yourself further than you should, you can lose track of your abilities and then find yourself in a hole. And that is one thing I will say about elevation is if you, if you put yourself in debt and in debt, I mean like basically burn a match, right? Um, so you go really, really hard and you get to the point where you know that you are not going to be able to just like settle back in just below this and continue for the rest of the ride, but you're going to have to drop the pace down to recover from this. When you do that at elevation, that time to recovery, uh, acute recovery is a long time. And sometimes you don't even pop out of it. You just stay kind of depressed from that for a long time. So knowing your limits is something that's really important in racing period and, and, and pacing accordingly, but at elevation it's takes what was a butter knife and it makes it a a, a purely sharpened razor. So it can get tricky. So I'd recommend doing other races beforehand, and then maybe you can build up even this year into it and give it a shot. But next year for sure, man, you'd be solid. Yeah. yeah you should
2: do the Carson epic first.
0: Yeah. Or do an epic, epic rides race. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Right. Cause those are, you know, do a 50 miler and, uh, well maybe ease into it and do a 35 and then do a 50. That's a good idea because. That would give me. I mean, these races are usually the the Breck epic ones. Some of them last year were in the 40s in, in terms of mileage. Per and, day. Yeah, per day. Yeah. So that can. For how be many long? days? Six days. Yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. Who would want to do really that? Who would want to do that? I want to do brick. <laughs> <laughs> My <laughs> <It's>, point. <laughs> it looks awesome. Yeah, it looks awesome someday. So. Uh, all right, uh, with that, there are a bunch of other questions. Uh, we'll get to more of them, um, like I said, in a special episode coming up here uh, this coming week. But for now, we have uh, some fun topics to talk about. Uh, let's get into the business. Is business time? All right. We are going to get into, uh, what some people may call MacGyver tactics or, uh, or trailside hacks, the things that, that you can do to get yourself out of a sticky situation or, or let's just call it dangerous situation, even out on the trail. Uh, Dustin, you wrote in cause you have a whole list of, of experiences and things that you've learned. I've seen a lot the 21 in years. the 21 years, <laughs> a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like personally or, or through through other friends. Yeah. But yeah, which I'm sure you guys have too. Oh, yeah. I mean. We'll be able to
0: chime in. Yeah. It'll be yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so, and what I'm going to do here is we're going to walk through basically the things that we want that you should carry with you when you are riding. Yeah. And we're going to talk about minimums, then we're going to talk about luxuries. And uh, perhaps luxuries is a bad term, but we're going to talk about things that you can carry to really be prepared. Yes. And then we're going to, and we'll probably wrap in some stories and context throughout, but then we're going to wrap in a bunch of stories and context yeah. thereafter. So... Uh, what do you bring with you on every ride? What's what are the what are the, the EDC for yeah, your riding? Yeah,
1: the everydayers, and this is like what I would consider like the post ride or post work ride, like yeah. the, the your local loop that you're gonna go knock out. You know, for us, it's like Dry Pond or something right, right here. Yeah, uh, and you know, for those, obviously, I'm gonna carry a pump or some type of inflation system, CO2 or a pump. Usually, I have a pump because. Mm-hmm. You know, you can uh, sometimes CO 2s fail or whatever.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, so I, I try to always carry a pump, a tube, obviously, maybe a patch or a plug kit. Mm-hmm. That one's a maybe mm-hmm. on the shorter rides yeah. because if you have a tube and eh, you know right. you might not you might not deal with that. Obviously, some some water and and maybe food if it's a long enough ride and a multi tool. I don't think beyond that for your local ride yeah. you have to have anything else. Again, if I had the walkout. For any reason, yeah, I could. It's probably only going to be a, a couple of miles. It's a miles. local ride. Yeah, yeah, it's local. You're I'm just, not going that far from the truck. Just right. taking your bike for a nice walk yeah. in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, or desert. Yeah. I carry be all a that, cyclo, Be a cross racer
2: for right. a while, basically. Yeah. 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 And
1: <laughs> I carry all that in a pack because I like to ride with a hydration pack. I, I know it's yeah. like sometimes you say, on certain rides, you don't? Yeah, I
0: usually don't. Uh, but there, and and the main reason is I hate packs, right? Mm-hmm. But I have found that the Swee—that's that's U-S-W-E pack, I found that that one is awesome. Uh, Liat also – the Liat pack is just a rebranded Swee, So it's a white-labeled U So Okay. Um, but that pack, it's got like a harness system with like a buckle in the front.
2: And it it's looks like, like an X Man. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It, although less impressive. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, and it's it's it holds it so firmly to you. There are, and I'm going to call them fanny packs. Don't you dare call them a shuttle pack or a trail pack, enduro but, pack. Yeah, yeah, it's on your hips. It's yeah, a fanny pack. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, just own it. But um, a fanny pack. I don't, I've tried riding with one before and I hated it. I didn't like that it flapped around and people say, well, you can get one that doesn't flap around, but then it ends up like, I've seen those things. They end up like strapping over your shoulders and it's basically a really low What's backpack.
1: That's the point of that? Yeah. I mean, I
0: don't so know. not into those, but these u Sweets are, are really, they're compact. They hold tight. They are not very voluminous, I would say. And so they do make some that are bigger, but I think a big secret to this is if you want a pack that's low profile, that isn't going to shift around on you. Try to be conservative with the things that you're carrying and the volume. Agreed. If you have a pack that has a bunch of volume and it's loose, then mm-hmm. it is, even if it's tied down tight to you, if the, if the pockets themselves are big and and not well-structured, then you're going to have stuff weight shifting around. That's what scares me. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're Steven, you're really technically proficient rider. I've mentioned this before. Okay. Um, do you want it's me like to I keep am? going? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, the things that you do on the trail, a lot of the, I mean, you use like a lot of shifting your body weight. I've seen you hop onto gigantic logs before and those sort of things. Uh, you're able to just like pick up and bounce onto them. That type of technical riding, when you have a pack that's jumping around and rolling around on your back and moving, it's like, sure it's possible, but it is a total pain. Yeah. Um, and that's the type of stuff where I think that people might not even be realizing that they're really compromising their ability on the bike because they're riding with a a bad pack.
1: And that's, I, I totally agree with the bad pack, right? You don't want one that's flapping around. Mm -hmm. Um, on, on, kind of on that topic, I prefer to carry the weight in my pack, as opposed to on my bike, Mm -hmm. like. I know you have like a specialized. You can store all this stuff in the SWAT thing, and but by the well, time you get a pump where all your pot goes. And it, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. If you Not have room things. left over, though, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Then you uh, put your pump and your tube yeah, and yeah. stuff. If you have room, left yeah. 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 But yeah, that's where you smuggle your drugs. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you get, if you do have all your stuff on the bike, plus the, you know, a a water bottle and everything like to me, I like the bike to be really nimble. Like I like to toss the bike around a lot. So I like my bike to be kind of free of the weight if I can, and I don't mind carrying it on, on me, but again, you do have to have a pack. Yeah. You're backwards. You like it the opposite way. You'd rather carry that weight on the bike. On the bike
0: and down as low as possible. And then. Uh, like you know, Steven and I use fabric stuff. Um, mm-hmm. not as if like, like, like wrapped in fabric, but fabric, fabric is, is a brand. brand. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, they make a tool keg mm-hmm. and also bottles that have these really cool, they have these little T bosses. So, you know, the, the bolts that go into your water bottle cage, water bottle cage holders, If that's even a thing, but the bolts that go into your frame for your cages, they have them, but they just like, if you're looking at them from a side profile, it's shaped like a T and the bottle slots onto those. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. And they have the same thing with their tool keg and they have a tall tool keg now, which I've seen, which is awesome. That tool keg down there—that's what I carry on my bike in most cases. All uh, like on a long ride, I'll put that tool keg down there, and that thing will be packed with, like you said, the those. That's exactly what I carry. The only thing that I add into there is—and this is not on an everyday ride—so mm-hmm. we're getting into something a little deeper. But uh, I add in black duct tape on there. Gaffers yep. tape would be ideal. That would be a little better, yeah, uh, because the adhesive wouldn't peel off. And then I have a rag. The rag serves two purposes. Number one, to stop things from rattling, which is probably the most important thing because I'm anal about that stuff. But then number two, it also gives me the chance that if I need to clean things off, like, I don't know if any of you guys have, and I'm looking at a lot of you who don't clean your drivetrains well. When you have a chain thing, it, you come out of there looking like you just came out of the world war one trenches because you're so covered in Greece. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, like on you your just face. Done <laughs> working on a steam locomotive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And all you had to do is just, you know, put that quick link in there and you're covered head to toe. Yeah. So, uh, having a rag for those situations yep. can be nice. Um, so that's so, but that's, you bring up a good point though. Maybe you like the feeling of a bike being lighter and you have a situation where you have a good pack and that weight isn't slot, you know, sloshing around on your back. So that's, that's cool. I like that different it, perspective.
1: Uh, it really, really just quick side note on the, on the packs that, yep. that fit, like, like you said, I, you, you use the term harness a lot. Like it fits, mm-hmm. you know, like a tight harness, yeah. like, uh, like the bro or the man's ear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like one of those posture. Yes. Fixing things. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. uh. Running packs, like trail running packs. So yeah. I, the, the brand that comes to mind off the top of my head, just because it's the pack my wife uses to trail run, is Nathan. Nathan, you know yeah. they make they make mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. And I've actually used her pack before, and it fits very much like that. It carries yeah. the weight higher, not lower, mm-hmm. but it's made for running, so it's intentionally designed to not bounce. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Around and it, I, I mean they they could make really really good riding packs. Yeah. Um, Camelback is starting
2: to do that too. They're doing a lot. Camelback is getting
1: a lot better with their stuff. Yeah, because you don't want to typically run in a Camelback. No. Like they're, they're, they they bounce around too
0: much. Right. And they do make running specific ones now, and then they're making some mountain bike, some better ones that it's like almost like a vest, it Mm -hmm. looks like almost, Mm -hmm. that is supposed to hold things closer. I think a big thing too, is about how you pack your bag. Mm -hmm. I put heavy stuff down low and then I'll pack lighter stuff up top. Mm -hmm. Uh, that usually means, and in my pack, I usually carry. So if this is a short ride, I don't ride with a pack. Nope. If it's a longer ride, I ride. And when I say longer ride, I'm talking, you know, if it's going to be three hours or over three hours, then I'll bring a pack. Yeah. Um, or if it's a
2: thousand degrees outside.
0: Yes. Um, if it's really hot, and it's cause I usually, if it's hot, I'll drink a bottle an hour and
2: those bottles are like the
0: little, like 16 ounce bottles, you know, like mm-hmm. what you see here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and sorry, what you see here. Nobody can see it. I'm I holding see a bottle it. in my hand. Yeah. Like, yeah doesn't everybody I else see, see it?
3: it?
0: <laughs> look, so, everyone look at the microphone. <laughs> so, but we have with these. Bottles, I'll put my fabric bottle underneath if it's really hot, but then I always carry a Sawyer straw if it's really hot and I'm riding in a place that actually I know has water yeah. and that's like a filtration straw. Okay. So I'm able to just take that and then I can just sip from a stream if I want. Or what I can do is I can fill up like a little bladder. On those longer rides, I bring that regardless, just because I've ridden plenty of times where other people run out of water. And if you're by a stream or a Creek, you can just risk it and drink Mm -hmm. it, but it's probably best to filter it. Especially Mm -hmm. a Sawyer
1: straw is super small. You don't want to go through the Giardia diet.
0: No, although it's quite effective.
1: (laughs) That's what I hear. I have to ask you guys now, I, again, I typically always ride with a pack okay. yeah. and, but I, I do that kind of for one really main reason. It's not that I couldn't carry all my stuff without it. Yeah. It's that I always have, and I've become very, very anal retentive about this. I always have all my stuff in my pack. Like, okay. uh, and guys. I have my shoes clipped onto my pack and I have my knee pads in my pack and I have my yes. helmet clipped on my pack and my gloves are in my pack and my glasses are in my pack. So I know that when I grab my pack, you have all of I shoes. have all my stuff and I won't show up to the trailhead because over 21 years, I've shown up to the ride and man, oh crap, I don't have my helmet. I, I my forgot shoes. my shoes or yeah. whatever it is. Uh, and that sucks. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're just like, oh. And so- you know, and then you, you go drink beer or something, I guess. But, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's horrible to show up and not have your stuff. And so for me, it's all about like when I'm done with a ride, put all my gear back on my pack, yeah, like, all of it yep. immediately. So when I go next time, I just grab my pack and I have all my stuff. For me, if I was switching from pack to non-pack to pack to non-pack. I would lose. I would forget something guaranteed. Absolutely. And so you, I think you just have to be disciplined about it. If if you're going to switch back and forth, yeah. Yeah. So so, you guys probably
2: are. What I do is I always carry my, my pack with me, mm-hmm. but I don't always ride with it. So what I'll do is if I'm going to take my pack, mm-hmm. I will take my Camelback or not my Camelback, my fabric tote, mm-hmm. my tool keg. Yeah. And I will just put that into my Camelback with all of my stuff preloaded. That's smart, and then yeah. I usually like my multi tool. If I if I'm just riding without my pack, I'll have my multi tool in my pocket,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then I'll have you know water. You know I'll use the fabric water bottle cage instead. Um, but if I'm gonna go with the the pack, I can interchange everything very easily by keeping it modular. So I literally have in my in my camelback tote or not my camelback my fabric tote. I don't know why I keep wanting to call it a camelback tote. Yeah. So in my fabric tote, I keep tire levers. Three twenty-five gram CO2s, two different CO2 inflator devices because I've had them fail before.
1: Nice. That would be bad.
2: And then messy. I keep rags, which actually my rags for keeping everything from rattling are just um, the Ride 100% goggle. Um, White. sleeves, Oh. the goggle okay, sleeve, yeah. the, the little package okay, that they yeah. come in. Wanna, and so I just I have want to chime those. in so hard on that, but I'm just going to hold back. You just hold back <laughs> whatever yeah, you got to do. I back, buddy. yeah. <laughs> well, well, I got to get something greasy and it might as well be their logo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No comment. Yeah, inside joke. <laughs> um, so, um, and I just keep everything in there. And mm-hmm. then if I'm going to switch back and forth, I just pop it off the boss, that's, throw it in my camelback. That's a
1: great yeah. strategy.
2: And yeah, yeah and so Smart. I usually keep um what i'll do is i will put all of my stuff in my pockets and my little swat pack it's not a swat pack cuz they're yeti bibs so it's not called a swat pack That's it's true. an enduro enduro bib enduro yeah. bib um and i'll i'll put my water bottle on the bike and then i will just carry all of my stuff in my you know on my person in my pockets cuz i never wear lycra i'm always baggy even on cyclocross rides um He's lycra underneath. Well yeah, but yeah. we all are. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <We're> yeah. underneath. <laughs> yeah, i just want to make that clear because a lot of people Yeah,
2: true. They may not know. Yeah. I cover my Lycra though. Yeah, I'm just not, I'm I'm ashamed of it. (laughs) Um, There are pictures of you wearing a tutu in Lycra. So this is on the internet. So it's true, but I was carrying a Pinarello. So it's okay. (laughs) Um, So, and then, and then what I'll do is if I'm going on a slightly longer ride where I need a water bottle, I -hmm. will take my camel back, but not use the bladder in it. Yeah. Then the really long rides, then I will bladder and, you know, do everything that way. Yeah. So I have kind of three stages mm-hmm. that I go through. Um, and it really depends on length of ride and, and the ambient temps outside.
0: There are some i ex- I've only ran a pack. I, I I'll, I'll run a hydration, hydration pack in rare circumstances, park city point to point comes to mind. I will definitely run those there. Yeah, that
2: was there. 70 miles.
0: Though. Yep. 75 mm-hmm. miles. And that one has really good aid stations. So you don't need a pack. Yeah. But the thing I like about the pack is the, it gives me the ability to skip that aid station. And I'll actually put in hydration as like a reserve in my pack. Yeah. I won't drink it until I need it. Yeah. So I'll drink from my bottle first. Mm-hmm. And then if I can, and if I'm able to stop at that aid station in that race, then I would, but yeah. otherwise I wouldn't. So, and then single track six, I ran them there because I didn't know what the aid stations are going to be like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what anything else would be like. And it was super hot up there in Canada. So, uh, there are times when I run hydration in my pack, but it is very rare. I usually use my pack to carry other things and hydration on my bike.
2: And here's, here's your pro tip for all of you. I have some friends that do this and it annoys the crap out of me. When you fill your your, your hydration bladder. Oh, I know where he's going with And this. I can hear you sloshing around 15 feet away from me. Yeah. That's bad. It means yeah. you didn't
1: take the air out of yeah, it.
2: Yeah. So always take the air out of your yeah. pack. It will eliminate all of the sloshing issues that you have and actually be noticeably
1: different while you're riding. It gives you more space to put other stuff. Exactly. Because yeah. you don't want to well, fill be, it with air?
0: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the other things that we would carry then. So that's like kind of the basic stuff. Um, also like I, I should say a few quick plugs. You mentioned SWAT specialized has their like on bike storage stuff. Mm-hmm. It's clever. One up has their EDC tool. I'm sure other brands are coming out with other stuff too. Yeah, Dynaplug makes a really, um, contained nice little plug kit that you can get. Uh, however, you can also get it. What is it? Genuine Innovations, I think is the brand. Yeah. Yes. You can get, they have one that has like a valve core removal tool. It's a little heavy. So mm-hmm. if you want to be more weight weenie, they make them that just look like giant thumbtacks with the, the hole through the eye of that needle. Mm-hmm. And then you can just put the piece of bacon in there and tape it to your bars. That's mm-hmm. pro tip. To, yeah, yes. they
1: call it a side of bacon.
0: Side of bacon. That's yeah. a little strips strip. that you use to plug your tire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keegan Swenson, uh, tip 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 of the hat to him, he was the one that showed me that trick of just taking basically the giant thumbtacks and putting the side of bacon in there already, like threaded through the eye of the needle, then just taping them to your stem or your bars in the spot where obviously they won't, you know, gouge you, but that's what he does for XC races. Hmm. Um, obviously after that, you know, the the side of bacon, if it just sits out forever, then that could be bad. So he keeps that, you know, he isn't
2: just going to let it sit on his bike for the whole time can we please stop talking about bacon? (laughs) Yeah. It's Friday morning. (laughs) I I don't know. 726. Um,
0: so the other things that we carry then, well, what, what, one, sorry, one thing, multi-tool, what multi-tool do you have?
1: That's a terrific question. Uh, I think it's a toe peak. Okay. Some, you know, I know there's like a gazillion awesome multi-tools and I just carry the smallest one I can that Mm -hmm. still has everything. Uh, but I do carry a separate chain tool. Mm -hmm. There is a, Small. It doesn't take up a lot of space, but park tool makes park tool. that little one. That's that is just about better than a shop chain tool. In my opinion, <laughs> it's so good. It works so well, but it's small. It doesn't weigh a ton. And I just keep that in my pack. Yeah. I actually yeah. keep that in my pack all the time.
0: Yeah. If you always. don't know how to use your chain breaker, or if it's really difficult to use that one, mm-hmm. then it's n- it's not going to be made better by the cha- challenging circumstances of a trail. Yeah. You know, that's something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen, how about you, or if you don't know the exact model of, of multi-tool you have, what's a deal breaker on the multi-tool? What is one thing that you absolutely need to have then? And if
2: it doesn't have it, it's out. Well, for me, um, I use the design. I think it's a design 12. It's their okay. biggest one. Yeah. Um, It has a a tire lever and which I don't use the tire lever on it, but the tire lever is part of their chain tool. Mm -hmm. And that's actually how you build the leverage on it is with the tire lever. It's actually kind of a cool design how they did it. Um, And I picked that one mostly because it's a relatively flat profile, Uh, but it is wide compared to others, but it's very flat. So it doesn't stick out nearly as much. So on my Camelback. I usually fit my multi tool on one of the side packs on the waist strap. The hip strap. The yeah, hip yeah. strap. So it actually fits right in there perfectly on mine, and it has, for me, the the no or go no, or the. go or no go for a multi tool <laughs> is I need to make sure that it has pretty much all of the main sizes of Allen and Torx if you have mm-hmm. Torx, yeah, and just generally whatever you're going to have on your specific bike.
1: So yeah.
2: three, four, five, and six millimeter. Yep. and a T25, yep. and um, you know, a chain tool. And then really that's what I look for.
0: One thing that I would say add on with multi-tools is do not get a cheap multi-tool <laughs> No, from a brand that you don't know about. If the metal is crappy metal, then it's going to mess up your bolts. If it's not machined properly and things aren't you know too spec, yeah. then it could mess up your bolts. It's just not worth it. Like yeah. it'd be getting a tool to potentially mess up your bike rather than fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's worth spending a little extra to get one from a company like Topeak or Lezyne or even Crank Brothers multi-tools yeah. are very good. Yeah, their good. multi-tools yeah. are good. Yeah. So um, I would check with them. Like what my, my one complaint with the specialized ones is that... Like I love the, the little tiny multi-tools that stash into the bottle cage like that. It's a sweet system. Their multi-tools are not precision machined. Like they're four
2: millimeters, like 3.8 millimeters. Exactly. Yep.
0: That's it. And so you're just going to get into a situation where you're just potentially messing up bolts. So I think that more or less, and then a hand pump, is there a hand pump that you guys prefer?
1: Yeah. I, mine, I think mine is a design brand. Uh, and it has the removable hose, the hose which that you can flip around from Presto to Schrader. Yes. And that's nice. Cause then you're not reefing on your valve stem. You yes. can hook yes. it on the valve stem, then hook it to the pump. And it gives a little bit of flexibility yes. there. So you're not jacking your valve. That's stems exactly up. what I was going to yeah. say
2: is if you're going to carry a pump, carry a design or one that has a hose yep. attachment to it.
1: I have an SKS.
0: Um, they're a company out of Germany. They make really good stuff. And this one has a flexible hose that extends from it. Yeah. Okay. You, Perfect. you need to have that yeah. or else you, are, you will break off your valve stem.
2: Yeah. Or bend the actual press valve core. Yeah. Yes. You know, the little tip that you tighten. Yeah. But yeah. Um, other than that, I, I don't actually carry a pump at all. I just carry a bunch of CO2s and two inflators. There we go. I've got a, a good basic SRAM inflator where it's, you know, you just spin it in mm-hmm. to puncture it, and then you just quarter turn back. So there's no, no mechanical problem. things to fail. It's just literally two O-rings. And then I also have a really nice one of the design control, um, the control drive. Makes sense. Yeah, units.
0: Okay, so with that stuff, um, and we'll stop and, and, and mention the brands or, or certain models that we like on the following things, but mm-hmm. let's get into the other things that you might want to bring. If, for example, you just mentioned Moab, uh, there's a certain rule about Moab, and that is if anything can go wrong, it will all go wrong at Moab. That's yes. just how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, that place is hard on bikes and just things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will forget your keys on that shuttle day. Like I have, and you'll have to ride an extra 30 miles. You'll do all of these. <laughs> it's just things go wrong there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in these type of days, we're talking like, um, bigger days, or even maybe it's not a bigger day. These are the things that are not just necessities, but perhaps a good idea and maybe a luxury. Yeah. And
2: I think this is more for like remote riding or stuff where you're not going to be like a quick egress back to your vehicle. Yeah. Or even this if is... you're
0: flying somewhere and, uh, like, uh, we just flew to, uh, Manakea, like I said. And, uh, that's in Hawaii
2: for those of you who don't know.
0: Maui. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, Hawaii itself. Actually. Oh, yo, yeah, it is on yeah. the big
1: island.
2: I'm sorry. I was just yeah. saying Hawaii in sorry. general, not specifically mm-hmm. which island. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, 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 a peasant and never been there. So.
0: <laughs> so, but the, the, the derailleur hanger bolt broke. So basically what I usually do is I just take my derailleur hanger, uh, the bolt that holds that hanger in on mm-hmm. that on, and this is a specialized crux. I just loosen it up a bit. Mm-hmm. So then that way, if my derailleur gets hit it doesn't bend anything i've got like a little bit of leeway to work with
2: you should remove your derailleur and
0: that's what it, well that's that's things and that's hard stephen it's a pain so sometimes you're lazy and you teach don't do you it well. and then what they do is they put stress on it in the bike bag and it breaks the bolt right mm-hmm. and that happened Yeah. so uh this is a good example of if you're flying somewhere too it's a good idea to bring these things yes a der- derailleur hangers is probably the first one right oh, yeah. a derailleur
1: hanger is absolutely, i mean hands down you, you need to take it on any type of ride that you don't really want to walk out, yeah. Yeah. or where trying to do the ghetto single speed is going to be problematic. Right. Yeah, you, you know. Yep. I and so I just get a derailleur hanger for your bike. Yeah, you know, it's for your model bike. Bucks, but just if get that. one. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. they're twelve yeah. bucks. Yeah. I mean, it just depends. Get one. Make sure you're carrying it. And when you switch bikes, and I did this, I didn't realize last time I rode with you, I was I was new on my uh, on my Ibis. Mm-hmm. I was still carrying my hanger for my ASR five. That doesn't and I help didn't, you. It doesn't all. help me at all. <laughs> and I realized after and I'm like, oh, and now I actually just carry both of them because every once in a while I'm on the ASR five for whatever reason. I'm right. like, oh, I'll just carry both of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a smart thing to do. And
0: you mentioned the ghetto single speed fix. Can we? Yeah. Can we say what that is?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> this does happen. Yeah. It actually happened this this year. Uh, a buddy of mine. We were just doing the local loop in the evening mm-hmm. and. Lord knows how he did this on a climb, but hit a rock with the derailleur at the same time as he was standing up, getting on the pedals. Long story short, he put his derailleur like above his cassette and into his <laughs> Good. I mean, it was, a, it, you know, an XT cassette uh, derailleur and it was just completely toast. Yeah. It was pieces of an XT derailleur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it did not look good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we we ghetto single speeded it, basically take the chain apart. Yep. Yeah. Uh, pick a gear that is going to be hopefully rideable, yeah. uh, maybe two or three from your big cog in the back and shorten your chain. You're going to have to break your chain apart to do this and shorten your chain. Hopefully you have a quick link with you to, to make it easier mm-hmm. and get it as tight as possible. Um, but you're only going to be able to get it so tight, mm-hmm. get that as tight as possible. And again, it needs to be in a, a a fairly straight chain yeah, you line be train, yeah. because you don't have a derailleur pulling it into place anymore. Yeah, and basically turn it into a single speed. So your derailleur's not doing anything. In this case, we just took the derailleur off the bike completely because it was all bent and messed it up. It hadn't removed itself. It didn't remove itself. <laughs> okay. uh, it just got itself yeah. tangled. What yeah. a jerk! <laughs> <Yeah. X-T derailleur. laughs> I was say, X-T. Fishing reels, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John. I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, <there> we are. <laughs> so you do that now. The thing is. If you're riding rough terrain, it's very easy to drop your chain in this scenario because you don't have that tension from the derailleur. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can only get things so tight with your hands. You can only train. get them so tight. Um, one of the things I was hoping to bring and show you guys, I, I actually built this week and I wanted to bring it and show you. And I I think my wife, this uh, uh, is air quotes, put it away somewhere because I probably <laughs> left it like on the kitchen counter and nice. she stashed it in a drawer nice. uh, unbeknownst to me and we cannot find it. Yeah. So... Uh, but you've seen those those uh, chain guides? I think they're made by like Bionicon or something like mm-hmm. that. There's 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 a couple different brands, and okay, it's, it's almost like a roller. It's it's not even a roller. It's a slide one where okay. it, you run the chain through. It's like a little plastic. It just goes on the tube, bottom it goes of on the, the chainstay. Yes, yeah. it Specialized
0: goes on the used to make those too. Yeah.
1: yeah. And now the problem with those is you can suck it up there, but as you're moving through your suspension, you could actually tighten it enough. They zip tie, you know, to mm-hmm. the to the bottom of your chainstay. Yeah. You could. You could compress the suspension and actually pop the zip ties off. And so what I did was I, I took one apart and I used an old piece of uh, bike tube, mm-hmm. rolled it up into a cylinder shape and replaced the part that zip ties to the, to the uh, chainstay with a piece of rubber tube. So in this case, the rubber tube would be held onto the little chain guide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you would zip tie that. To the bottom of so your it chain actually has the room so it, it has some flexibility it has like a little elasticity mm-hmm. there enough to put tension on the chain and hopefully you know get you off the trail yeah and if you're doing a really long ride it doesn't really take up any room right very little room and it doesn't weigh anything it's all just plastic yeah and yeah. so you just throw something like that in your pack I'm, i've seen people try to make ones out of zip ties which yeah. we did on this ride like an actual chain guide out of zip ties it it did failed in last like two time. seconds yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, doesn't right. last Um, you know, one thing that you can do is if you use a zip tie like that, and
0: basically if you can imagine the chain stay and then the vertical space in between that and the the chain on the underside, what you're doing is you're trying to take up that slack. Yes. That's what it's doing. And one thing that I've seen people do is use a zip tie, but then they take a tube and they cut a tube Mm -hmm. and then they basically have that set up so that the tube is acting like a sleeve that the chain runs through. And that might work. And that might give you some more mileage out of it, but- Regardless, but it's probably a better the idea. chain's go. probably going to chew through that tube yep. sooner than later. At some lighter. point it will. Yeah. Especially if it's yeah. worn out. And yeah. it'll really cut through it. Yeah. That's a good idea uh, because that would be a way for you to tension it and make a single get yeah. a single speed fix.
1: I'll, I'll have to like get you guys a picture of yeah. the one I built once, once I discover where my wife put it away yeah. and, uh, and then I'll like send it to you guys or maybe throw it yeah. on your, your Instagram or something.
0: Okay. Another fix really quick mm-hmm. on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say your, your derailleur wasn't an XT derailleur and it was a SRAM derailleur. So it suffered fate, but it stayed in place, right? Cause it's good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if that's the case, if your derailleur's still on, um, but you have a situation where, um, perhaps your cable is broken or you're in a situation where your, your hangers really bent, mm-hmm. what you can do is you can actually take that cable and you can cut that cable short. Let's say, or if it's already cut and it's mm-hmm. already broken and you can just tie, believe it or not, a knot. In that cable. Oh, yeah. And then that derailleur is going to sit. And you just have to tie that knot so that it sits in the Pull specific
1: it gear. To what gear you need or yep. want to stay in for yep. the rest of the ride. Yeah. 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 Barrel adjusted. It's a great it idea. And it's another like ghetto single speed fix. That's, mm. that's so, a great idea. And yeah. you wouldn't have to deal with chain tension at that point because your derailleur is still working. Right. I mean, Sort of.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. At least is keeping things on track.
1: Yeah. No, I like it. Um. So we talked about
0: chain tools. Uh. You talked about the park tool one, uh, spoke wrenches.
1: Yeah. I, I. Yeah. So it's it's probably something that I guess this is this is a it depends for yeah, me. Yeah. Uh. The one of the main reasons I th- I threw spoke wrench on there is in Moab. Mm-hmm. Uh. We uh. When we were there last month, we were riding up on Gold Bar Rim, and my buddies. On his intense, his rear wheel just started getting really, really wonky. And he had like a ton of loose spokes. That's intense. And we're just <laughs> sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bad. You loved it, Steve. No, I didn't bad morning jokes here. Uh anyway, we didn't have a spoke wrench. Yeah, yeah. And it would have been very handy if we did, but um, but we didn't, but we did have a leatherman. Okay, And so I literally used the pliers on the Leatherman and we started tensioning up the spokes and we got it, you know, tensioned enough to where we could ride right out and he mm-hmm. rode portal right after that. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, which is what you want to do right <laughs> after your, your yeah. wheels coming apart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and it worked fine. But some means of tightening spokes yep. could That's be very useful on, again, I'm talking like if you don't want to walk out this could could be a thing. I wouldn't put it at the top of the list.
2: I wouldn't either. And in fact, I would never carry a spoke wrench because I'm going to still go back to say... Prepping your bike before that ride would have alleviated all of that. Totally agree. Yes, that's the only thing. Totally agree. Yeah,
0: we're we're assuming that that we're assuming that's the case. Yeah, no, of course. So emergencies. obviously, if you had a ton of
2: loose spokes, that rear wheel had loose spokes before that ride. Agreed. Yeah. So agreed. So that's in my opinion, that's a bike prep thing, not a you Mm -hmm. should carry a spoke wrench for me. But we're talking about emergencies out on the trail,
0: so let's just assume that people have prepped their bike well. And that way we can just, you know, assume that we need to take care of the emergency. Okay. Would right. you carry it? Sp- so you, you wouldn't
2: carry a spoke wrench? I've never even thought about carrying a spoke wrench it's, ever. Yeah, to yeah. me,
1: uh, it now it's like, uh, in fact, my buddy bought like one that has three different sizes. It's small, it's lightweight, and he just threw it in his pack now. Yeah. It's like, all right. And and there's some things, especially if you're riding with a group of guys yeah. on these big, long rides, yeah. divvy some of this stuff up. You don't yeah. need to carry seven chain tools yeah. and seven pumps. Exactly. Like, yeah. And have seven spoke wrenches, you know what I mean? Have one guy carry a spoke wrench and you, 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 okay. Two, at least two of you guys have pumps. Okay, yeah, you good. have the like, best one. You bring yeah, that, you have the like, best yeah, one. Divide yeah. Divide it exactly. up yeah. if you're on a group ride. Totally. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. It's a smart way to do yep. it. The guy who never preps his bike and it's always falling apart. He carries everything though.
1: <laughs> make
0: him carry everything. <laughs> or, at, or he ironically carries nothing with him ever. <laughs> <laughs> He's either one of the two. Yeah. yeah
1: well, yeah, never in, in Moab, uh, this, this trip, I'm, I'm, you know, in, in my little group. Mr. Bike Mechanic, mm-hmm. usually the most prepared, like tuned my bike up and, you know, everything. I was the only one that had a mechanical uh, that whole trip. And I had three flats on the whole enchilada oh. and it was those, those Schwalbe, Knobby Nick tires or just, Moab there just destroyed go. them. They were horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Maxis and WTB. Yeah. Man. I promptly went and bought a Maxis that night from nice. uh, double down bikes <laughs> heck, in Moab.
0: Heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick links, I would argue that quick links are something that you can really easily carry on even short rides. Yes. And I,
1: and I do, I, I probably should put that in, in just like an everyday ride. Totally. And again, I ride with, we have so many like drive trains now, Mm -hmm. you know, some guys are still riding 10s. Some guys are riding 11s. My new bike has a, has the, the bird, the bird. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I carry, I carry three different size quick links just because maybe my buddy doesn't have one or somebody I bump into on the trail doesn't have a quick link. I can be like, Hey, here you go. Let's fix it. In fact, I I helped help another guy on the trail this year that had a broken chain and didn't have a quick link. And what I do actually, and I I think this is a great way to carry them. If, if you have a pack,
3: Uh
1: um, I take a safety pin and you just slide them onto a safety pin. Okay. That's smart. And then just safety pin it inside one of the, the, part of your pack, right? It's Inside of, one of the, the, the- It's not a bad idea, yeah, I like that. And then they're always there because otherwise they end up like down in the bottom and you're like digging for them. You can them find one up- of yes. the halves. You can find one the half, half. Yeah. yeah. And so I just pull them out and I just have like the 12s, the 11s and the 10s all in order. That's smart. I like it works that. really well, Yeah.
0: Z- zip ties, Steven, you have zip tie knowledge. I didn't even know that you could get high-end zip ties but you, you showed you me can the get light. Qual- I've got a zip tie guy.
1: <laughs> I have a zip tie gun. The zip ties. tensions oh, and cuts yeah. them for oh, you. That's, oh, that would be sweet. Well, yeah.
2: The problem with that one is it doesn't cut it super flush oh, though. Oh, it does. It leaves a little, no, does yours?
1: It does. It, it's oh, a man. Panduit brand and it cuts it oh, very, very flush. Okay.
2: As long as it's very that's
1: flush. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's yeah. sweet. Because yeah. Well, that's key. The
0: zip ties. Yeah. Let's talk about the zip ties themselves. Okay. Yeah, um, what are, what brand or what, oh, who makes these like metal ones It they're, they're plastic, but they have a metal like clasp,
2: yeah, but they're also not a brittle hard plastic. Like right. a lot of the ones you're going to find at home Depot, um, they're basically a more flexible plastic. and then the actual lock assembly is not another flap of plastic. it's a piece of stainless steel that's embedded into the actual zip tie, the 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 mm-hmm. the, the lock block. Yeah. And so those, I use those, they're expensive. I think the four inch versions end up costing about five cents a piece, which is ridiculously expensive For a zip tie it yeah, is a lot. So like when I buy, you know, when I, when I buy a thousand of the four inchers, that's a lot of money, and 500 of the eight inchers, it's like 120 bucks. Yeah, but that lasts me like four years. Yeah, because they don't
1: break nearly as no. easily as, as other ones. Um, I would say if you're gonna go for like the best brand of zip tie, yeah, um, that that meets a lot of those same requirements mm-hmm. that, that Steven's talking about, plus they make ones that are. Um, UV resistant. Yeah. Okay. So if they're going to be outdoors Smart. for a while, it is very useful because they de- otherwise they deteriorate in the sun yeah. very fast. Uh, Panduit. Yeah, probably makes the best. But you're not going to find them at Home Depot or anything. You're going to have to go online. You will pay, pay pay a premium. Yeah. But they also make ones that lay really, really flush. The super so flush that, ones like, are the awesome. The head where it where it locks is Ooh. is almost flat. Yep. And they're fantastic. Yeah.
2: You can't get a ton of tension on those ones, but they're great for you know a lot of other applications. Yeah. Yeah. I like those. Even yeah, like maybe if you have external
1: routing, those ones could
0: be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need a lot of tension on external routing that's no, right? Correct. Absolutely. You want it to hold tight, but you don't. Wanted to correct, you know, yeah. Um, a Leatherman is—I—I I, never carry one with me, and they're I always heavy. curse myself for it because I feel like pliers would be in many cases, especially when you're dealing with cable issues. Mm-hmm. They're so
1: helpful. Pliers like, and a knife, yeah, like can come in handy for a variety of reasons. I, the problem with a Leatherman is it's really heavy. It is. Like yeah. a, again, if you're on a big group ride and one dude wants to pony up and carry a Leatherman awesome. I say carry it because it's got a bunch of tools on it. Uh, and, and again, you can fight it, off
2: small bears with them. You,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or large bears and it depends. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, it saved our, our hide when we were in Moab yeah. because we were able to put the wheel back in, yeah. in, in kind and kind of true. in true. Yeah. <laughs> true enough to not rub them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or yeah. rub through the frame. at least. Right. Um, right. you, uh, something else you put down here on a list that we have a piece of paracord.
1: Yeah. And I have a, a very specific reason for, for why. Okay. Um, you know, we all see paracord some, you know, they make those paracord bracelets you can get that you can take apart in an emergency. Yeah. Maybe you want to use one of those, but mm. so a few years back, uh, I got suckered into doing something crazy, which was go out and out on trails, but without my bicycle and do trail running. Ah, that was uh, a dark time. Uh, it was very confused. It's not as dark as road running, but yeah, <laughs> no, well, no, I won't, I won't road run, but anyway, I got, I got, I got duped into doing, uh, the silver state fifty fifty, which was, I did the 50 K Okay, and I was using my wife's, uh, Nathan brand bladder, you know, yeah. hydration pack. And that's a, a huge run. I think it's got like 7,000 vertical in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a long, long day. Yeah. And, uh, I thought I would be really smart. And fill up the, the hydration pack and then throw it in the freezer. Uh, so it, you know, would turn to ice and then it would just kind of melt through the day. And I'd always have cold water. Well, what I didn't count on happening is, is expansion of the ice. It, it expanded mm-hmm. and I didn't unbeknownst to me, uh, it, it actually broke the seam at the bottom of the hydration pack. Oh, so as and, it melts, yeah. It's, yeah. So I was on the backside of Peavine, mm-hmm. and I'm running down Peavine, and I'm like, "Man, why is there, there's water leaking all over my back here? What's going on?" And mm-hmm. it's cold. And what's going on? And I got to an aid station, and I looked, and I'm like, "This thing is busted open, you know." And so they had duct tape at an aid station. I tried duct taping it; wouldn't hold because it was already all wet and yeah. just a mess. Uh, what I ended up doing was I actually had randomly a piece of paracord in that pack. And I don't even know why it was in there. Mm-hmm. And it was probably a foot long, maybe. Yeah. And I took the, that, that part of the, the bladder, I emptied it all of water. Luckily I had an aid station I could refill at, but yeah. I pinched that, that broke broken part together, mm-hmm. wrapped it with paracord really, really tight and just tied the crap out of it. Yeah. And it was enough to seal it. I was able to refill the hydration pack with water yeah. and go. And if I couldn't have done that, like nobody at the aid station had like extra bottles I could carry or anything. Like That's this smart. was my only means of carrying water Gotcha. and it worked flawlessly. And, uh, and, and actually Nathan was cool enough to replace the bladder and I sent them the old bladder back because they wanted it with the paracord still <laughs> <lying> on, it, <laughs> on
3: awesome. it
1: with a note in Sharpie about what happened and just mailed it to him. And they were That's super rad. cool about it. anyway, I, again, it's one of those things, it, it, yeah. it takes up no room, weighs nothing yep. and can be used for a bunch of different things. A plastic welding kit would have helped too. In <laughs> would have. <Yeah>. I <laughs> should <laughs> probably would have put that on the list. <laughs>
0: yeah. Bring a generator with you at all. Yeah. Um, along those lines too, like I've seen paracord actually be used in some pretty severe injuries as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, tourniquet or something. Exactly. Yeah. as yeah. a tourniquet. So um, because it can help, it can you you would want to line that with fabric obviously yeah. uh, against the skin but it could be helpful there let's talk about that first aid kits uh, i never carry one with me another thing that i feel terrible about yeah, i should same here
1: i i carry a ghetto first aid kit
0: what what do you use what are the key elements of
3: what you
1: want uh, a few pieces of of gauze or maybe a small roll of gauze or something mm-hmm. um but I can't ever remember that that what they call it. But you know when you go like get your blood drawn and uh, or donate blood or something mm-hmm. and they put the gauze on your arm and then they wrap it with that stuff mm-hmm. that's like self-adhering wrap but it's yeah. not it doesn't actually have adhesive on it but it's, it sticks to itself. It's like an ace bandage, yeah, kind yeah. of. Mm-hmm. But I carry a little roll of that, mm-hmm. right? Because I can use it to hold the gauze in place or something like that. Mm-hmm. So from like medical supplies, uh, you know, that are going to help with a wound. That's what I carry. Yeah. But I also carry a a small Ziploc bag with some Advil in it, Mm -hmm. uh, which is great if you have a really bad crash or something, it's great to get that Advil in right away. And, uh, and Benadryl, Mm -hmm. I carry um, half a dozen Benadryl tablets for any sort of, any sort of allergy. And then if, you know, you or some of your group obviously has like a severe like they're deathly allergic to bees. Hopefully somebody's carrying an EpiPen yes. as well. They should be. Yeah. I don't carry an EpiPen on normal rides or, or right. unless there's a specific reason to, but but Benadryl can be like yeah. uh, literally life saving. I carry, I should
0: carry lactose pills too. Because post dried burritos are necessary. They are. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Or lactase pills, I should say. Uh mm-hmm. another thing that you can get is uh some stuff, I can't remember, but it's basically powder that can help clot a severely like bleeding or gushing wound. Gunpowder. Yeah. Basically, yeah. In yeah, yeah. a lighter Light <laughs> work. cauterize it. Yeah. No yeah. right way. Yeah. 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 Um, so but that's a, a good idea to bring that that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh along those lines too, when we're talking about like emergency stuff. This is why I'm so against people using Strava to record on their phones uh, because it just you know it's going to
1: run your battery your down change your battery
0: and i i my phone I, I other than you know the occasional insta story or looking up something else you know that i need to for some reason i keep my phone on airplane mode and it's in the back of my pack because i don't know how long this short ride could turn out to be yeah. right and phones are are a good thing if i was doing like a multi-day thing in a totally remote area i would pony up for a satellite phone so and this would be like if i'm and I'm talking like, you know, if you're doing a remote thing where it's maybe you and two other people and you're going to be doing multiple days, extremely isolated, mm-hmm. like we're talking the Yukon territory or something like mm-hmm. that, then I would totally pony up for uh, satellite phone. Why so, not just a spot? A spot could yeah. work, yeah. but you can't communicate through that effectively.
1: Well, I have uh, a, and we I only enable it usually during the summer months and then I, you can turn off the dis- the subscription, yeah. but a, there's a uh, Delorme inReach. Yep. Um, and that hand. one, the plan, it's, you know, it's like 15 bucks a month for the months you're using it, but it comes with the ability, it, it pairs to your phone mm-hmm. and you, it comes with like 10 or 20 text messages okay. and it works really well. And awesome. where you have no signal cause it's all satellite, then you can, you know, plug in and, and actually text or there's an SOS button that will transmit to, um, you know, whatever That's local a good rescue. It's a really yeah. good option. So it and uses the phone that you already have. It uses the phone you have. You can text on it also if you had to, Yeah. Mm-hmm. but it's easier to use the app that pairs with it with Bluetooth. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, it's just easier to text. Yeah. Right. But it does work and it's about the size of a, you know, walkie talkie or something. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Again, if you're going to be way out in the boonies, yeah. it's totally worth carrying in my opinion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a good idea to have for sure. Yeah. Super glue is also a really good thing. I mean, they're for the bike stuff, but for the body stuff too. Yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. And I've,
1: I've put together someone's head like on the side of the trail with super glue. <laughs> okay. So it was it, all split open? It was split open pretty bad. And, yeah. and you know, hopefully they have long enough hair. And what, what you actually want to do is like, you use the hair and pull like one little patch of hair to the left and another patch of hair and pull it's it- It's like to, butterfly To the stitches. right. It's like butterfly. You pull it to the right to hold the wound closed. <laughs> That's clever. While and you while, super glue the while, hair. While you super glue, you literally super glue the hair and yeah. the, the skin and at the same time. And hopefully not your fingers and <laughs> yeah. Because then that gets awkward when you go into the ER. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They're going to have a new haircut afterward, yeah. There's a sure. story here. Like, yeah, I'd yeah, love yeah. to sign
2: this neighbor, but <laughs> I'm stuck, I'm my stuck friends, to my friend's, my buddy's head. Yeah. 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 But it, I mean, again, this
1: idea. is
0: something small and light. Blisters too. Yeah. Um, when I was at single track six, I know this isn't like an emergency situation, but it was a six day stage race. And after day three, I had the worst blister on my hand. Like they were bad. Like, uh, my gloves, I actually threw away both pairs of gloves that I had from that trip because they were completely 100% soaked all the way through red on the hand. It was that much blood from these blisters. It was bad. So, um, they ended up developing from another thing that I did working in the yard before I went on this thing and I got one blister and then it just got really, really bad. Uh, super glue was what allowed me to keep riding. Really? Yep. So awesome. it's, it's really helpful
1: callus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just throw it on there.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I can't there's, recommend that. There's
1: probably now. some, some, uh, doctors or it's medical professionals cringing out there right now. Yeah. Going, no, don't do this.
0: Well, it's actually, it, I may have this wrong, but I have read this from a reputable source. I can't remember the source, but I, I, I remember it was, that it reputable. was reputable. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually super glue came about actually from warfare itself and as it was it was used for so stitching the things together that it that it does
1: bond skin instantly was intentional intentional <laughs> yeah exactly now it's just a pain. Okay. now, <laughs> now it's, it's just a pain, pain
0: to deal with yeah. Yeah. yeah um so looking at this we, we've got a list of some other things too uh this is something that ever since hashtag dad life has happened wipes. I carry wipes in my truck everywhere all the time now. I yes. always have wipes. I
1: have a thing of baby wipes in my center console, yep. even though I don't have babies anymore.
0: Right. And it's a good idea to bring those to four. So have,
1: have you guys seen these expandable Toilet things. No, I. I They're re- the sports ones where they come in like the little pack, but then they open up really they, big. Yeah, well, these these ones I found, and I'll, yeah. I'll send you guys the link. It, they um, diameter wise are about uh, the diameter of a nickel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but but probably three eighths of an inch, quarter inch, three eighths of an inch thick. Okay. And you take a few drops of water and put on it, and it turns into a rayon, biodegradable rayon towel. Wow. That is about, uh, yeah, I see you're looking it up there on Amazon. Yeah, makes them. Yeah, there's a bunch of different brands. I think those ones on the left are the ones I I got. If you look up expandable
0: towelettes, you'll be able to find them.
1: They weigh nothing. You can carry about 10 of them in a little tube. And the, the towel expands to about... 14 inches by 14 inches. Jeez, that's awesome. And it is—it's one of the coolest things ever. It's like you—you you literally just put a few drops of water on it, just slowly starts expanding, and expanding, and all of a sudden you're like. Wow, this thing turns into a big old towel. That's <laughs> awesome. And they can make emergency toilet paper or just something you need—a rag or or something to wipe with. Uh, they're fantastic, and they literally weigh nothing. I mean, that's you awesome. do need some water. I guess you could probably use spit in an emergency, but yeah. but uh, but very little water. Yeah. a few drops.
0: So that's and and I've uh, I usually call these one sock rides. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes uh, you know, the gut isn't very happy and you need to make an emergency stop. And you may not be around natural, uh, like, for example, lamb's ear out here in the Mountain West. Yep. <laughs> is like natural toilet paper
1: except this time of year when it's all crinkly yeah, <laughs> yeah. then it's really bad Then it's yeah. not so good
0: uh but springtime early summer mm-hmm. you can still get it and it's 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 ext- it's like the best toilet paper it's like white yourself
1: with velvet it is yeah, great. I, great i take some home
0: yeah <laughs> exactly <it. laughs> so um but when that's not around uh, sometimes you have to sacrifice yeah. a sock. So if you've ever see a mountain biker riding out with one sock, you can just know what it's gone you know, off. He had to bury guy. it somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fallen soldier. So, but this is a good, this the, is a good.
1: Solution, you will though. love these. That's you awesome. will absolutely love them. And you could carry them. I mean, you could tape them to the bottom of your saddle, if you yeah. want. I mean, there's so Very many, uh, it's really small.
0: Huh. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to yep. to handle that one. Um, we talked about filtration systems. There are a bunch of different ones though. You can get like one of yep. the, what are the pens called? Um, it's basically like a, a pen that throws uh, ultraviolet light, I believe out, it emits that out into the bottle and you basically just let it sit there within for a certain amount of time. Really? And it sterilizes water. That's awesome. It's another great way to do it. Like a, a lot of ponds for example, they use ultraviolet use UV, light yeah. to sterilize and it's the same theory it's yeah. just on the smaller scale. It's all fake. Um,
2: You're just putting a blue LED on <laughs> <it's-> <laughs>
0: <laughs> how yeah. funny would that be <laughs> yeah. oh to sell this thing for $30? Yeah. It's
1: just an LED, yeah. it's just lighting. Your you water. still got yeah. giardia. Yeah. But, no, you didn't, you didn't keep the light on long enough. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. yeah. I think
0: there's somewhere around 50 bucks. Um, but you can get one of those guys and they're good for a very long time. Uh, Sawyer straws, they're cheap. They're like $15 I think on Amazon and you can replace those every, you can replace them every, uh, Every year, yeah. uh, it's something that's really cheap. And that's a cool, idea. I've had one for three years and, uh, we have this stuff that like tests for clean water. I have this, this basically it's like a chemical that you drop in and it's after three years, it's still totally fine. I have more of them, but nice. that's impressive. And I use that I, one. I think right
1: that's good. so important. I mean, my, my worst horror story from running out of water was back in Moab 20 years ago when oh. I was first started mountain biking and we were riding slick rock summer Super hot. Oh, yeah. You know, totally inexperienced, no idea what we're doing. You know, where I was carrying a couple water bottles, uh, in in a backpack probably. Right. Ran out of water. And luckily it had rained there fairly recently, mm-hmm. and there was some puddles. And if you were very, very careful, it's probably a bad idea, but we had <laughs> literally no options. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my brother and I drank out of the puddles and we would just like You know, all the sediment was down in the bottom. If it was deep enough, Mm -hmm. you know, if it was like six inches deep or whatever, you could kind of just stick your your lips in and just suck off of the top of the puddle yeah the cream but, of the yeah, yeah. <laughs> water but of puddle water. Us, if you will yeah, yeah. it got <laughs> us through the ride and you know we didn't get giardia or anything which is a good thing but yeah. i you know i don't recommend doing that obviously so it's like yeah be prepared with water yeah i mean
0: there are plenty of regions that do not have that luxury you know of right? of, of having these little hollows in the hole and yeah. the rock and solid rock that can actually store That'll water instead
1: it. of absorb exactly yeah yeah so yeah that's that's super important. And yeah, there's so many options now for either right. iodine tablets or filtration systems or yep. whatever. A yeah. bunch of them. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So there's, there's plenty of stuff to look through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sawyer straw too, it comes with like a little bag and you can just fill that bag up with water and then you just squirt through the Sawyer straw right into your bottle and it'll take you about less than a minute and you'll have your bottle full.
1: Uh, so it's that's so fantastic. Yeah. So that uh, Yeah. If you're doing a long ride and, and you know, there's you know a creek or something yeah. a pond or something that's yeah, just fantastic. And it's
0: another thing where you can say, "Oh, I don't need to bring my pack. I'm just going to bring a bottle and I'm going to bring this guy because I'll be able to refill multiple times." Yeah. yeah. Like a Star Lake loop, there's a common lake there, one that we did and mm-hmm. I just brought one bottle because I was able to do yeah,
2: that. Yeah, cuz we so. knew we'd be at Star refill Lake, we did Star be lake. In the Meadows there. Yeah, there's yeah. a uh, multiple yeah. places to yeah. fill water. So yeah. depending on your ride, it could change on, on what you fill. Well, we could have just also, you know, since we ran across snow on that trip in June or July or whatever it was, yeah. Wait, when was it? Cause it was the day that June or July. It was, it was July the day that weekend, Simon yeah. was
0: born. Yeah. It was two days before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, July 4th we yeah. did it on the, on the, we did it on, on the, America day on bird day. On the, you um, guys are real patriots. We <laughs> really are. Uh, another thing that you mentioned too, uh, and we uh, skipped past this, but about three feet of one inch wide gorilla tape.
1: Yeah. And gorilla it, tape, duct tape, oh, gorilla tapes better, obviously I think yeah. than, than duck, regular duct tape. Yeah. Um, again, there's, uh, countless ways you can use this. Yeah. I, the most recent one I I recall doing was actually riding up in Lake's Basin. Yeah. Um. And my buddy, you know, ate ate it on uh, some really really easy part and yeah. busted his shifter pod. Like the the actual shifter pod itself broke off of the mount on his handlebar. Yeah. And we're like, oh, crap. You know, we got to make it all the way back to the bike shop down in, in Gregold. But we are we were way up by Mount Elwell when yeah. it happened. Like actually kind of on the back of Mount Elwell. And so a long so, way away. Yeah, so you've got some climbing. Yeah. 4,000 feet of descending. Yeah. So. And so, you know, the shifter still worked, but you couldn't like press it with your thumb because it wasn't mounted yeah. or anything. We just, I busted out my gorilla tape. And, you know, I just take the one-inch strip and I just kind of roll it over on itself and make yeah. a little f- semi-flat. Chunk of gorilla tape to Smart. pull out, and, t- and we just taped it on. I mean, and it worked. It worked great, and we made it all the way back. We finished the ride. He was able to shift. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Did he fix it yet? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah it we was were, really good fix. <laughs> we were so. shuttling. We were shuttling <laughs> Downeyville the next day, so we we went straight to the shop in uh, Gragel, and, and the guy put a dropped an, a new shifter I, on.
0: I think that it's a good idea too. This can be something that can fix a rim strip. Cause I've seen people either show up for rides, me being this person with rim strips that are leaking, Mm uh, the tape that's leaking through, or I've also seen a situation where somebody punctured on a nail, uh, up in, up in Tahoe, there are flume boxes and they have really old nails. And this one actually went through his rim strip. So he had no way of holding air with this yeah. tubeless set up mm-hmm. Uh, so this would be a good opportunity to, to tape that up too. Yeah.
2: So by the way, how are your rim strips doing still? Since I'm holding read? man. Cause you're amazing. You're there,
0: yeah, cause yeah, you do it. Well, um, another thing that I could, would add to this is a bit of sealant. Isn't a bad idea. You can, you can bring like a tiny little thing of stands and really
1: small. It's a good thing to carry. I carried that in Moab. Yeah. Uh, 4 ounces of orange seal. Okay, yeah, good cuz in the little, steel, the little with the little injector thing. If,
2: if you carry a little thing of stands, you might as well just like open it and pour it on the ground. <laughs> it's the orange seal
1: that will actually I help. I switched There's to here. orange seal because of you guys. It's good, man. Yeah. It and also- I've been using it yeah exclusively this year
0: yeah um i did hear that stands has improved their formula recently but i'm not sure so they've always
1: said they've just improved it yes yeah i, I had yeah. good luck i didn't have bad luck with stands yeah. uh you know i'm gonna miss the stanimals that yes, you pull out of your tire true. yeah but uh but the orange seal i mean so far you know has yeah, been it's been working well stuff.
0: Um, something, if you get sidewall tears, something you'll see a lot of people do is use like a cliff bar wrapper, uh, on the inside of the tire and that will help you or a dollar bill. A dollar bill yeah. uh, works good.
1: Can, I, wrappers yeah, like ra- work really well too. I use hundred dollar bills. Cause that's yep. how I roll. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <Nice. laughs>
1: it happens. Yeah. I, yeah.
0: You can use tape as well on the yeah. inside of that. And then the tube won't bulge out. Uh, we saw a guy out on slick rock way out way out there and it was a rental bike and he had slashed it and all of his friends had 29 inch wheels and he was on a 275. So he had a very long walk back. Um so yeah, it's a good idea to be prepared mm-hmm. for that stuff. Spare grips. If you're running foam grips like ESIs and you're doing a really gnarly long ride in rough terrain, I recommend, and even though this sounds crazy, carrying spare grips, but they're super light and easy to carry. So you don't have to worry about it. Who doesn't so, ride lock on grips now?
1: Uh, me, you, just you and them. you and, uh, and, uh, Brian Kennedy. I think yeah, you I know sure. like, yeah. <laughs> Those, that's it. You got, they have three customers. Good company.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, foam grips are, are in yeah. vogue with the XC, yeah, so they are. XC guys. I never it's a good that. idea. Cause I have actually had a situation where I split a grip almost halfway through and I had a long ride out thereafter. And that thing by the end had split all the way thereafter. Like it just had worked its way up. And I ended up riding back at the bar. So, do you carry
2: carry a little mini bottle of Windex to help you get it on, too? Yeah. And do you have like six hours to wait for it to dry? Yeah. Okay. A lot of
1: spit. Just just a lot of spit. I think you can pee on it, actually. And that helps. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Water could work, too. So, um, along those lines, if you're doing a race and this is something that's longer, bring bar end plugs because sometimes they'll be like sticklers and not let you start a race if you don't have a bar end plug. And I've torn out once again, this is foam grip problems, people, but I've torn
1: Never. out bar
2: end plugs. I, yeah. Or just get
1: lock on grips. Yeah. Lock ons like, wait, like my, a, like a my normal horn. person. I
2: think my, my WTB padlocks. No, they're lock on and they don't have a cap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're good. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm good.
0: Um, spare socks. If it's a really long ride and this could also be once again, if it's a one sock ride, but <laughs> there's nothing that feels like if you, if it's a ra- rainy day and it's just terrible, then you get back into your truck at the end, or you're camping in your Agreed. bike packing, having a fresh pair of socks feels so good. So oh, yes. it isn't wet.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah,
0: uh, It just helps a lot. Yeah. Um, then a shock pump honestly is not a bad idea to bring. I
1: carried one in Moab. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. was getting used to that new, you know, Evol chamber. And yeah. I first thought my rear shock was, was janky mm-hmm. on, on, the, on the Ibis <laughs> and, uh, it turns out it wasn't, yeah. I just didn't understand how it worked yet. Yeah. Right. Um, but I. Didn't trust it, and I brought a shock pump. And yeah, a, a long ride again, and you don't need to carry seven of them. Yeah, one guy. One guy gotta have a shock pump. <laughs> one guy with a shock pump. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Agreed. All right, man. That was a lot of stuff. We covered pretty much everything. Yeah. There. Do you have something else. To there's add? a lot. Yeah. The only other one that, and this is a either a shoelace or maybe paracord thing okay. that's very similar. And I uh, actually the the two guys I'm riding with this Sunday. Uh, were riding, I want to say they were probably doing like the Ash to Kings ride or something. Or Somewhere. anyway, they um, got stuck. And this is, this goes into not being prepared, but guy had a flat, brought a spare tube, brought one with a Schrader valve on Uh, Yeah, Schrader Uh valve, pressed a rim, not gonna fit. Yeah, Uh right? And uh, he pulled his tube out. It was a a snake bite, you know, just Uh typical pinch flat. And he took the two holes themselves, like pinched them to face each other. Okay. Took a shoelace and wrapped it around a whole bunch of times. Tied it really, really tight. He ran it like that. Put air back in it. Yeah. Ran worked totally fine. Crazy. And he ran it like that for like the next two or three months. <laughs> <laughs> Not advisable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't advise that part. But yeah. that's just yeah. what he does. So. There we go. Yeah, and it and it worked. So there's, I mean, there's crazy stuff you can do, you know, out on the trail that yeah. sometimes you wouldn't wouldn't be conventional. But we'll, you know, let you ride instead of walk. Exactly.
0: If you have any hacks or tips or anything else that you, uh, you want to add in, send it to MTB podcast. You can go to mtbpodcast.com and you can send in that stuff there. Steven and, and Dustin, let's close it out with our tips.
3: You don't care. they are counting on your tips to live.
0: (laughs) I saw you posted a picture. You did some night riding last I've, night. Yeah, I've been done a couple of them now.
2: Uh, I love night riding.
0: Yeah. So, what's your setup with lights?
2: So with lights, what I typically do, um, I last season I ran the Light in Motion Taz fifteen hundred on my handlebars. Okay. And I ran their Trail eight fifty on the helmet. Okay. Phenomenal setup. It's like, it's like the low beams on most people's cars yeah. when you're running both of those on high. Yeah. And typically the way that it works is the Taz has a really good spread of light. So you get like the just off trail so you can see if there's any turns coming up. But wherever the bike is pointed, your handlebar mount should be that light in front of you for like 25 to 30 feet. Yep. Then your handlebar or your, uh, your helmet mount is always for where your head is looking. So if you think if you're going through a corner, you're always going to be looking out at the exit of the corner. That's where you want that light aiming is yes. far enough ahead of you where you know what's coming up on the trail. You know, I can almost ride as fast at night mm-hmm. as I can during the day because of my light setup. And yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. And there's no hot spotting. There's no like, oh, it's really really bright right in front of me, and then I can barely see off to the side. It's light and motion does really good work with their optics yeah. and. There's a reason they're more expensive than everybody and that's it. You know, they also, when you're running that thing at 1500 lumens, it lasts, you know, 30 minutes longer than all of the competitors. Yeah. It's crazy. And so, um, so I ran the 1500 TAS and the trail 850 50 last season, and now I'm on the Taz 2000 mm. and the trail 1000. So I have 3000 lumens of output.
3: Yeah.
0: That's a good, it's something that you mentioned. I like the varying levels of, of intensity too, because yeah. Something that I've seen people do is they might have the same light and they run it on high on their bars mm-hmm. and then high on their head and then what ends up happening is if both of those lights go into the same spot you lose all definition. You just get white out, yeah. Cuz it's all white. Yep. So running one at like a slightly I usually run the one on my head at a higher intensity and then the one on my bars usually at a lower intensity. Yeah. You can go either way, but the key the point is it's a really smart way to do it so then that way you aren't you know creating a hot spot that your light doesn't naturally have
2: just you know from yeah. the angles of everything yeah and it's funny because you know people are like well it only lasts an hour and 45 minutes what if i want to go ride longer than that well the key is you're not using your light on high all the time exactly you know i just Otherwise run... you'd
0: be burning people's backs in front of you seriously yeah <laughs> right? like yeah. like
2: all i run when i'm climbing is the Trail 1000 on low. Yeah. And that's plenty enough to see everything while I'm climbing. And then I turn on both for all the descending. And that's exactly. it. But I love light and motion. They're great, great lights. And I don't want to
0: anti-tip this one, but one thing that is really cool, that they're, they're the lights are not as good as, as a light. Okay. So once again, that's the core function we care about. But something really cool, Garmin's lights actually have speed sensors Sensitive. it utilizes speed from your gps and it therefore increases and decreases the speed ba- or the intensity of the light based off of that
1: now if they could do and a 2000 lumen light i would totally be, be down awesome with that yeah and absolutely. it works
0: extremely well i've tested it out
1: it's like uh, the speed volume control in your car exactly right but for light wow, and it's super effective yeah. yeah i was really
2: impressed with it so because I, I think their their big light is still only up to 800 lumens i think right? so yeah, yeah
0: i think so and it's cool. Um, and it's, it's a good light, yeah. but it's, if you're talking about like best lights, it's not. Yeah. So it's just a really cool feature. Yeah. So Dustin,
1: what do you got uh, a tip for us? Well, I do have a tip. Um, this is for
2: all the kiddos out there for
1: kids. So I have, I have two, two girls They're yeah. They're six and eight and, uh, getting in, you know, been biking since they were little tiny tots, but now getting them into mountain biking. Uh, my eight year old specifically has a a mongoose fat bike with like a seven speed on it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's got that big wide square taper bottom bracket. The problem is these, these lower end bikes, what I call a lower end bike, which a lot of the kids' bikes are.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They do not come, uh, geared for climbing at all. <laughs> right. And you can buy a new freewheel, which I did and get a bigger cassette. I think this one had a 36 up front. With a, an 1128 in the back. Oh, good. Okay. So
2: no underdrive
1: whatsoever. No underdrive. <laughs> no, <clears throat> this is, uh, yeah, it's like set up like a road bike. It's and like it's a road. It's great yeah. around the neighborhood, but I took her down to, to Carson and road Ash Canyon last weekend. And it was like, she was dying on the climbs and I'm like, why are you being such a wimp? And then yeah, I was like, really, nerd. I really looked down at her gears. and I'm like, oh, this thing is not set up for climbing yeah. at all. Yeah. So being the, the bike geek I am, I started doing some research online and the challenge with finding one, a, a smaller front crank was, uh, the crank arms on this bike are 140 millimeter. Yeah. Right. And I'm so used to using like 170 or 175 crank arms mm-hmm. like on a on a adult bike. Yeah. So I looked and looked and looked and looked and I wanted to find something where I could get at least like down to a 32 or a 30 front mm-hmm. chain ring. And I finally found a company that makes a crank that you can buy just the crank arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can buy the bottom bracket also, but I don't need one in this I'll case. It's I already square have taper. One. It's so, square yeah. taper. It's really standard. Yeah. Uh, so there's a company called Trail Craft Cycles. Uh, just Google them. You'll mm-hmm. find it. Um, for about 60 bucks, you can get a alloy, alloy crank arm. So they're, they, they weigh a lot less as well, mm-hmm. but it's a BCD 104. Mm-hmm. So I was able to put a 30 Sweet. tooth narrow wide up front. Yeah. And then pair that with a new, you know, seven-speed Shimano Mega Range freewheel in the back, and yeah. so now she has some underdrive at least. That's awesome. And she, That's cool. you know, hopefully, be able to tackle the single track a little bit better. So, if you got the little kiddos and you're looking for a drivetrain upgrade. Uh, check out Trailcraft Cycles.
0: Yeah. Hey, Trailcraft, pro tip: you should make an adapter that goes from square taper to SRAM or some other type of uh, thing. So then you could run a spiderless. One. Agreed. So then you could get like kids like a twenty six or twenty four. Totally agree. Yeah.
1: I would have bought that if it was available. Trailcraft,
0: do it. That would be awesome. Uh, the, my tip is the Wiral Light Cable Cam. W I R A L, and then light is like L I T E Cable Cam. It's on Kickstarter right now. Uh, it's basically a tiny cable cam that you can fit in your pack. Like we talked about very easily. Mm -hmm. It comes with a little remote and that remote allows you to move the cable cam from one direction to another. We mounted everything from a GoPro to a full on DSLR to it. And I don't think they recommend mounting a DSLR, but we can, I can say that it did work. Okay. So we mounted all those different cameras to it. The best way to set it up, I think, is to mount a gimbal to that and then have your GoPro on there. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It comes with um, a tiny little guy that has paracord mm-hmm. and it's basically like a real system. And Does you just want make it. No, (laughs) I'm sure it would have smoother operation, (laughs) but you hook that up into the tree and then you run to the other uh, wherever else you just need clear line of sight with no impingement there, but you do that and then you just tie it up and then you've got a sweet cable cam. And I know people are probably thinking a cable cam silly, but you can get really good footage that you can't get with a drone because drones are going to have sensors that stop you from getting close to a tree or anything else. Mm -hmm. This, we were blowing through tree branches actually. Nice. So and bushes like Manzanita here in this region, it's kind of like a thick, like a a gnarly bush Mm -hmm. and it would just blow right through that. It's a powerful little unit. Um, I think that they're selling for like 200 bucks, which that's, that's insanely, not expensive.
1: That's, cheap. that's insanely cheap. Yeah, um, I, I built my my own cable cam uh, at home, which I, I still have. Uh-huh. And, and I think I spent probably $400 on parts and had to like, you know, engineer the whole thing myself. Right. So that's yeah. fantastic.
0: It's pretty sweet. Uh, it worked I, without fail, the DC Rainmaker. He is a tech blogger and reviewer. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have heard, uh, heard uh, of him. He was up here in Tahoe and we ran it through its paces and really cool little deal. Um, anyways, it's on Kickstarter right now they were only aiming to raise $30,000 and they've already raised over 450,000. So <laughs> it's a little bit more than they want <laughs> yeah. to a little bit. Yeah. So it's not like they need your help, but I feel like if you, you want to product. get really good footage, yeah. this thing is awesome. It's yeah. worth getting. So they did have like an early bird deal where it was like 160 bucks. Um, and then it's kind of stepped up from there cause they've sold so many of them. So really cool. Uh, good to see. And it's an alternative to a drone that it took us about to get it set up. It it could probably take you, if you're really quick and efficient and you had an easy spot to reach maybe 10 minutes and you'd be filming. So it's not bad. That's Um, how long it
2: takes you to lose your drone and then have it fly home (laughs) and then you reset it and start using it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So anyways, it's a good tip. Wiral lights, W I R A
2: L light. That's it for us this week. By Uh, the way, have I ever told you the story about us losing our drone at work? Yes, you did. Yeah, okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's,
0: let's, uh, let's save that one for we will. next time. Yeah, do it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's a good story. All right. <laughs> um, we'll keep people in suspense for that one. So uh, with that, check out mtbpodcast.com, things on the store, all over the social things. Find us on there. Share this with your friends. Drop reviews, uh, five-star, hopefully. If yeah. not, let us know. And we'll talk to you all, not next week, probably this week, uh, but yeah. we'll talk to you all in the next episode.
1: Have a nice day. Thanks. Cheers.